I am 101. Hey, it's RJ O'Connell, editor and co-host of the Motorsport 101 podcast. We really hope you enjoy episode 180. It's a very long, uh, very informative IndyCar season preview, which we recorded on Monday, March 4th. Um, Since recording and the release of this episode, uh, some information has changed. Uh, Of course, we're very delighted to learn that Patricio Award, the reigning Indy Light Series champion, has signed a 12-race deal to drive the number 23 car for Carlin Racing, alongside Charlie Kimball, who would drive the other five races. Um, And we certainly wish R.C. Enerson and his crew the best of luck, uh, knowing that with their talents and good health willing, they will be able to find another opportunity in the series. Also, please say hello to Robert Wickens. He'll be at the track, and it is awesome to see him back at the race. Enjoy the show! So stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he ever takes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! More on target than a pre-race weight estimate of Jared Andretti's McLaren in the SRO race at Coda, it's Motorsport 101. An obscure one from Chris there, but we like that round here. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 180 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbor, Mr. Andre Harrison, and uh, my word, we had to get a dot to end in for 180. It's the last real dots-related pun we can mention until episode 501. If we make it that far, then God help us all, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, Chris wins this round. <laughs> With me, as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Hey, hey. Just, you know, catching up on all the news, reading up a little column that Robin Miller posted, A Better Way to Bump. Uh, did not expect to see... Uh, um, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah did, not, did not expect to see sex education column from Robin Miller. <laughs> I, I think that actually does constitute a sex education in the state of Indiana. <laughs> oh, there's so many places I could take that, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> with me again, as always, as well, Mr. Roger O'Connell. Hello, sir. Oh no, let me hit. Let me. I've, I've already hit you with the bad Russ Bray. Let me hit you with the Kirk Bevins. One hundred and eighty. Very good, very good. We, we, we're, we're playing dots, commentator bingo at the moment. It's great. Um, <laughs> how you doing, sir? <laughs> Um, doing all right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. IndyCar season's already here. Holy shit. It's, it's awesome. And I'm delighted and excited for it. And I'm honestly, I'm just delighted that RJ is still alive after somehow funneling in Hong Kong 97 music into last week's episode. (sighs) Again, again, it's, it's fine. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I, I'm sure I found the right buttons this time. We 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 sure about this? Do you, do you want to give it a test spin just in case? I mean, yeah, it's uh, it looks like this is just a I don't know. This is just a keyboard with ZDET Spectrum. Oh no! <laughs> I'm I'm giving RJ opportunity here to uh, basically shit post the entire the entire show like he always does. Fun times for all involved. Oh no! <laughs> the, this time I've got like old IndyCar music on tap. It's fine. 
He says this now. <laughs> I fear for the post-edit. Um, <laughs> also, joining us uh, for another special appearance is an IndyCar season preview. We kind of had to invite him. Besides, he's been eating out of the fridge for the last week. We, we couldn't say no. Christopher Harley's back, everybody. <laughs> oh, great to be back. I actually listened to the uh, last year's po- uh, preseason uh, re- or last year's season preview edition, which was actually my debut with Motorsport 101. I tell you what, the laughs were great, and it was so much fun. I can't wait to do this again. <laughs> yes, it's, it's always it's always fun and slightly morbid when Chris is around, which is trust me, it's better than it sounds uh, on, on this one. Trust me, but uh, <laughs> see, see, bright, positive, and cheery. I can't wait for him to make some death-related jokes later. No, don't, Chris. Don't say a damn word. Um, <laughs> we're going to take it off the air again. Right, anyway, places you can find us real quick. Um, we are on motorsport101.com. That's our website. Um, have fun with that. We are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And you can put the fun on our personal handles. You can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, at RJ O'Connell, and at See the Hard Day for Chris's Twitter account. Um, and Chris, plug your YouTube one more time for the good perks out there. So I have a YouTube channel about motorsports that I started back in January. Uh, I have been late on content because of a couple of things I've been working on outside of motorsport. However, I will have some driver interviews coming up in St. Petersburg. Uh, Road to Indy, IndyCar, the whole shooting match. And plus, I'm also going to be at Sebring and at Circuit of the Americas, so you have a lot of fun content there as well. Uh, Feel free to check it out. I don't have enough subscribers yet to give it a separate or a custom URL, but hopefully we'll get that coming up in time. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff there. Yes, give him a Motorsport 101 bump on our behalf and tell him we sent you. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to this show. I very nearly said both shows again there. Thanks for reminding me in the chat, Lewis Sotheby. <laughs> You're still very much missed. Um, yeah, that gets you access to our show. $10 gets you access to our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they go out. Um, we have a massive audience for this week's show. Shout out to Cam, shout out to Jason, to Henry. Lewis is in here as well, coming to us from Barcelona. He is um, coming to, to us on Dorna's Dime. Yes, it's it's delicious. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's poetic justice indeed. Um, Toki is here as well, somehow. Um, and Vic is here as well. So, so thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoy the show this week. So you get, you get to listen to these shows live as they go out on our Discord server. Don't get, remember, you can get into a Discord server for free. Just message one of us and you can get in. But the supporter section gets to listen to shows live as they happen is a fun time for all involved and hey as we brought the tier back at the $15 level you actually get a Motorsport 101 t-shirt which I'll send out to you oh, which is worth mentioning because we got a new $15 backer the when the episode went out two days ago thanks and a massive massive shout out to Brian Gethwich thank you very much oh I know coming- dude I don't feel any new you. I know Brian from my days way before I did Motorsport podcasting it's wonderful thank you Brian yeah, he's backed us at the $15 level, so that's incredibly oh, generous of you, sir. 
thank you, Brian. That's very kind of you. Please get in touch with us so we can sort your stuff out. That's uh, very, very kind of you, sir. Um, uh, much, much appreciated. And so, yeah, thanks. Thank you very much, Brian. That's uh, very generous of you, if I do say so myself. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, and yeah, without further ado, there'll be some sweet indie car music on interlude. And once we get back, we'll be getting into. Wait, it says the news at the top. Damn it! Okay, we, we got a lot of IndyCar to get through, but before we get through that, uh, we had another week of F1 testing that we thought was going to be an F1 TV, although they said it wasn't. And to our surprise, it wasn't. Um, no one ever reads the small print anymore, do they? <sighs> I guess not. Um, so, Ferraris still look good again, Mercedes have a brand new car, McLaren did some glory runs, and Sebastian Vettel and Pierre Gasly both had big oofs. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that sort of week. It's like, oh great, Vettel's put it in the wall. Just, just when the this when the Ferrari hype train was getting to uncontrollable levels of critical mass. Um, turns out uh, the rim took a bashing, and next thing you know, Vettel's in the wall hard at turn three. Just, um, just a little reminder to the Ferrari faithful out there that yes, this car can fail. <laughs> oh, trust me. Don't ever tell a Ferrari fan that their car could fail. We've never gone through that. Ever. Not in a all million you, all years. You gotta, all you gotta do is just pull up some footage of, like, uh, late 80s, early 90s F1 races, and you'll see plenty of Ferraris failing. <sighs> yeah, I think it was, like, some... I think a foreign object had hit the rim of uh, Sebastian's car, which caused, like, a mass suspension failure, and next thing you know, he's in the fence. Uh, it was uh, it was ugly, to say the least. They lost pretty much half a day's running as a result of that incident, and, uh, yeah, kind of put them on the back foot a little bit, to say the least. It's uh, it, it was actually... it was To watch it, because I think there's some videos of, from fans that were the track have kind of leaked out since it happened, and... Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, of the famous gif of... Do you remember in China when Sebastian Buemi's front suspension entirely collapses on itself? Oh, and I the remember fr- that. It's like something out of wacky races and just seeing like, the front wheels completely come off. That's what it reminded me of. It was just... You know, the whole thing just fails and next thing you know, there's a Ferrari eating gravel. It was... Uh, as Cam says in Discord, he got blue-shelled. <laughs> Taken out from the lead. Yeah, that, that, that seems about right, doesn't it? Um... So, so yeah, that was fun. What happened with Pierre Gasly's one? I didn't actually see Gasly's one. Um, I, I know this uh, this effectively compromised the rest of Red Bull's test after he had the accident. Mm, yeah, he, he dipped a tire. Just can't He dipped a tire in the grass at Turner. Oh, that's where Brendan Hartley had his big one last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. it was like, as they as they said, it was pretty much picture identical to Hartley's crash from this time last year. Oh right, I remember now because the F1 Instagram page had a side by side of it. It was like, oh shit. Um, hang on, I've not actually seen this properly. Hang on, Henry's very kindly put a link in the Discord. Live watch reactions. That. Live reactions, kids. We'd, we'd, we'd like a good live reaction on this on this show. I'll just click the link now. Give me a second here. Now, keep in mind, he already crashed in week one. Yeah, I just got to find the right clip here. Um, 
because it's, it's like it's, it's the whole it's the whole day's highlight. So you know, I don't yeah. want to go through but three minutes of Will Buxton's voice. Toro Rosso, they they say be all right in terms of the engine, uh, not so much the gearbox, and that was caused by wrecks like this. Yeah, like on see, so yeah, Charles Leclerc was fastest. Yeah, that new Ferrari livery is actually kind of low key underrated in real trim. Um, oh, I got, oh, there it is. Oh shit, that's a biggie. You don't, it, oh! have, small, you don't have small accidents at turn nine. No, you don't. Um, Brendan Hartley had one there, and if everyone remembers in, in the two wheel world when uh, Jorge Martin had that, had a very similar accident falling off his Moto Three bike at turn nine. It's very fast and. Uh, Put a put a wheel on the grass and the whole thing just went backwards into the wall. Just again, again, pretty much carbon copy of Brendan Hartley's from the actual Spanish Grand Prix weekend last year. Um, scary stuff. Luckily, Gasly was okay, thankfully. Um, but uh, yeah, like again, you see, they, they had a they had a side by side on them Twitter, and yeah, it's a it's a carbon copy basically, um, almost in real time. Uh, how close it was when they were putting it in the wall. So, um, what do you make of uh, so what do you make of Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton finishing the final day of F one testing three one thousandths of a second apart from one another? Meaningless. We all know that Ferrari's got four temps in the hole. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, like. Over a single lap, yeah, that's not surprising. But like when most most knowledgeable most knowledgeable observers put Ferrari like a half second ahead of Mercedes over one lap. Oh, and that's even with the proposed new car. But it's like a B spec. But it's like a second car they can use. We don't know what this Mercedes W10 <laughs> second spec actually is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've got nothing for you here on this one, folks. Um, it's a like, streamline model. Just like the just like the W154. <laughs> it, no, it's it's Gran Turismo 4. It's the stealth version of the car. Uh, um, spec. It's, it's it's been blacked out entirely on the outside. It's great. You see nothing but carbon fiber. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, look, the, the Mercedes signature ability, its party piece has always been ridiculous qualifying speed, especially when you combine the fact it has the sport's greatest qualifier behind the wheel. So if they're going for, you know, one lap qualifying runs right at the end of the test, just for, you know, shits, giggles, and a little bit of a uh, scoreboard dick measuring, then yeah, they're going to be virtually identical. I mean, I'm not entirely surprised at that at all. Um, but it, it, it kind of hides the fact that Everyone in that Mercedes camp has been even more pessimistic than usual yeah. about about how fast that car is. I mean, when Lewis Hamilton normally plays it down a little bit, I mean, he mentions it, but he doesn't go full barreled into the "Oh my God, they're so much faster than us" vibe. He he thinks he thinks they're point four faster. He's he said he's point four faster, and Valtteri Bottas admitted after the first test, "Yeah, we think Ferrari's probably better at the moment." Um. Now, I'm not going to read too much into this because Mercedes are a team that tends to win the development race over the course of the year, and I think that's a bigger game-changer than having the car be fastest out of the box. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Red Bull was so good in the early 2010s. Um, they they were always really good at developing their cars, even when a new era of car was coming and they kind of overreacted the pudding a little bit. Uh, yeah. 2013, anyone? That was a good time. Can we go back to 2013, please? Please. Please. For the, for, for the culture. Um, <laughs> I know all the Discord just says no in unison. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no. I, I, listen. 
it's been teased to be close. We said this last year, and then look what happened in quarterfinal. Lewis Hamilton was 0.6 faster when it really mattered most. Like so, I don't want to read too much into this. Again, Do you want to read too much into McLaren setting fastest times in the first two days of week two? No, we're not doing this. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, did you watch the uh, the second week uh, F1 paddock pass that's on the F1 YouTube channel? Bits and pieces. Yeah. It, so basically, I can sum it up as just like Ferrari, good. Mercedes, good but pessimistic. Red Bull, um... Well, the engine's reliable, at least, and Toro Rosso might be a surprise. Alfa Romeo looked like the class of the midfield. Nobody knows where Haas are. Nobody knows where Racing Point are going to be in a spot where they're going to be playing catch-up because they effectively have a 2018 car adapted to 2019 regs. And then there's Williams. Oh, God, Williams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's oh looking like it's going to be a close midfield, but then Williams are a good second to two seconds back of that midfield from fourth to ninth. Williams are going to be in their own... Like, Williams could be like the new manor. It's like they're going to be like a second off even the bottom feeders. This could be ugly. Like, really ugly for Williams. Like, tell me why I should be hyped about George Russell again. Please, somebody, anyone? He's going to beat Robert. That's pretty much why we should be hyped. That's it. Tell that to all the fam then back in Kingsling and in it. (laughs) (laughs) A lie? Um, 107% rules that Henry just put in the Discord chat. I don't think it'll be that bad. Probably. Yeah, they are are above the 107% margin, which is still in the 120s. And Williams got into the 119s and the 118s in the test. Uh, But they are not as fast as where their peers should be. They're kind of in this uh, this weird... I don't know where to put it. It's kind of like the island that Red Bull has sat in, where they're not as fast as McLaren and Ferrari on a consistent basis, but they're way faster than everybody else. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it is a weird black hole to be in, um, and I'm not sure I'd want to be in that, and uh, shout out to Jason Paul and our beloved Shuckle in the chat, he says, my Polish heart is suffering, um, <laughs> um, with Robert Kubica. Um but uh, ooh, that, yeah, I, I, I am not holding out much hope for Williams here. At all, <laughs> oh boy! It's gonna be um, a tu- it's gonna be a tough start to the season. Like again, Racing Point are pretty much in the same point. They are they went into testing with their 2018 car, and they're gonna be bringing upgrades to Melbourne to where the car that you saw at the test, or read about in the test, or saw Twitter updates on the test, or watched a YouTube stream about the test that was taken down by an uh, by an FOM bot uh, about the test. Um, it's gonna be much yeah. different. <laughs> Also, yeah, shout out to our colleagues at the F1 word having to fight the copyright ban hammer. Oh um, they were they didn't even show it. Like, there was no video footage to steal. There was, it no, was just it was, images from third parties. No, it's like, I, I don't know. Again, I don't normally plug other people's shows on this podcast, although it's becoming a much more frequent occurrence and you probably need to curb. But uh, the F1 word are good mates of ours. And I know a lot of their guys listen to us as well. Shout out to John C. Hi, John C. Um, who, who's, a, who's a big supporter of us. So uh, shout out to John C. And yeah, shout out to uh, the struggles of, of, the, of the F1 word out there and getting like getting into a copyright war, which was completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to go into our rant into YouTube is broken, number 778. <laughs> but um, let's just say it's a bit of a shitter. Um, thankfully, uh, you know, th- th- that was resolved. But uh, 
yeah, uh, no me gusta, to say the least on that one. Something I want to bring up as well here. Has anybody noticed a certain big logo edited out of Charles Leclerc's racing levers? Ooh, um... It's... What? Did, is it UPS? Is it no, Not that one. Um, they, they, they it, it's, it's a very popular lifestyle brand. Hey, may, maybe they accomplished their mission. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe they've done all they could and they know the mission is over. Guys, we got a hint. I think Ryan King put an orange square on his Instagram page. <laughs> um, from racefans.net. An updated entry list from the 2019 F1 season published by the FIA lists the team's official name as Scuderia Ferrari. It was previously entered as Scuderia Ferrari Mission Winnow. It's gone. It's it's like it was never there to begin with. Like, except for all the other times it was there at the end of last season. Except uh, it is still on all of Ferrari's team gear still. Uh, yeah. And it's still available for purchase. Only difference is... Seems like the FIA and FOM want nothing to do with Mission Winner. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it's especially bad when, like I said, they like they they were taking like photos, it's like official team photo shoots of Charles Leclerc, and they had actually photoshopped and removed the Mission Winner from his levers. Yeah, I wasn't joking when I said that. And uh, like in the you know the traditional headshot that they use that they're going to be using across all F1 media for the season they have the F they have the Ferrari drivers cross their arms so their arms block out the mission window stamp the cross their race suit oh yeah they know exactly what they're doing on that one we, yeah. we, you and, know, all, and all we, this comes up from uh, from the investigation from the Australian government does it not yes because the Australian government firmly believe that a uh, mission winnow is an advertising campaign by Philip Morris to advertise their products. That's absurd. I, I would never imagine such a thing. Not in a million years. No. No. I mean, sure, they're using tobacco no. leaves in their actual videos to promote Mission Winnow as a brand, but it's not tobacco. At least a better tomorrow starring John Wu is at least smart enough to know, hey, this is to promote our other non-cigarette things that we make. Smoke. It's all just promo it's it, it's all just promoting how to live their best life. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> uh advertising. So like I still remember probably. when it came up, uh the head uh an anti smoking campaigner in Australia literally was quoted as saying, Mission Winnow has nothing to do with F one cars, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> glad, we, glad we got that cleared up. So, for those who don't know, uh, Philip Morris International and Australia have a very, very heated history, which involves uh, Philip Morris International taking Australia, yes, the country, to court in Hong Kong, uh, where uh, the Australian government had passed a law enforcing plain cigarette packaging laws in Australia. They were the first country mm -hmm. to do so. Uh and Philip Morris International pretty much sued Australia on the basis that they were violating their intellectual property rights since they were not allowed to use any branding on their packaging. So that iconic Marlboro branding was virtually gone in Australia. Uh, the courts in Hong Kong saw it a different way and said, yes, Australia, you're allowed to enforce this law upon Philip Morris International. And... Yeah, from that moment on, 
it's changed the game in tobacco advertising because after Australian Force Plane Package advertising, uh, then France did, then uh, surprisingly Britain did, and Ireland yep. and Norway. Yep, precisely. And if you want to get a very, very good piece about all of this, John Oliver did one on Last Week Tonight a couple of years ago. I think it's now since been geo-lifted. It's been that far back now, so I don't think it's no longer restricted in the UK. So check it out if you haven't already. As with most John Oliver segments, the ending is pretty hilarious in that sense. Um, it's it's well worth listening. And I, I, I do remember, if you, I remember John himself in that piece saying that basically Philip Morris got their asses handed to them so bad that they actually forced them to pay the court fees. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was that bad. Like, Australia basically won their case and didn't even have to pay for it. Fun times. <sighs> so, uh, effectively, how Australian the Australian government view Mission Winnow is a backdoor way to advertise tobacco around, uh, you know, the ad ban on tobacco as saying that you might not be you know, bluntly advertising a specific product you sell, you're advertising your company. And the only thing your company sells is tobacco. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's a classic. Do you really think we're being stupid? Like, do you really think we're stupid, basically? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, that like- Australian prime minister, like, he gets it. <laughs> no fucks given. And I'm kind of here for all of that. So, yeah, and... Yeah, I'd love that guys in the Discord are saying, no, no, they're not dead. They've just put all their eggs in the Ducati basket instead for their MotoGP team. Which, as, as which the eagle-eyed amongst you probably already noticed, they are still something along the lines of, I think it's like Mission Winnow, Ducati Corsa, basically, yeah. going forward. Yeah, it's Mission Winnow, Ducati team. That's the one. Thanks, Henry, for, um, for that this, uh, in the Discord a little bit earlier. Yeah, so they're, they're basically going into two wheels instead, you guys. Ooh, it's going uh, to be real. Interesting when Philip Island comes around. <laughs> Wait, oh, Philip oh, oh. Island. What's Mister? Oh my God! I've just, I've just, I've just seen through the whole picture here. <laughs> and, what, and what are they making on that island? It looks pretty green. You know what else is to green tobacco leaves? <laughs> oh my God! This is the, this is literally the meme of the guy with, with like the with like the friggin' frame in the background with all the pictures and like all the red lines connecting them all together and RJ just in front of it instead. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the good Lord help us all. Oh dear. But uh, yeah, no tobacco allowed apparently, which is probably for the best. Now. Chris alluded to this in the intro of the show, and we kind of have to mention this. We don't normally talk about the more obscure series on this show. That's our, that's kind of our bad. But uh, Chris, why don't you push the talk and explain just what happened to one Jarrett Andretti this past weekend? So normally, when you have a car underweight, you're expecting it to be, you know, two or three pounds, maybe five to ten at the most. Jarrett Andretti mm. uh, won a race at the uh, SRO America formerly World Challenge um, event at Circuit of the Americas, and his car was found to be underweight. Not by one pound, not by two pounds or ten pounds, but by 161 pounds. <laughs> That's 73 kilograms in metric. Oh, Jesus. The, the official report says technical manager Todd Ketchum filed a report stating that car number 36, that would be Andretti Autosports GT4 car number 36, was found to be 73 kilograms underweight at post-race impound. Technical infractions are not open to appeal. That's like that's like half a MotoGP bike. That is an actual person. <laughs> that's an actual 
Right. <laughs> it was funny, like, think of the Discord. Maybe they forgot to weigh the driver. <laughs> Jason in the chat, underweight by a cruiserweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you had one Rey Mysterio just hiding in the body you forgot to take out afterwards. Oh, dear. How, how are you out by 73 kilos? Somebody, please tell me. Did, did they explain I've their had, fuck up? I've had, discussion, <laughs> I've had discussions offline. I'm just like, how do you get 73 kilograms underweight? Well, maybe it's ballast, but, like, it's a, that's a lot of ballast. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of ballast. Does that come with a car already? The British Touring Car Champion doesn't have that much ballast, for God's sake. You don't get What's that much ballast in GT500 until the middle of the season, and even then, it's not all weight. Think about how that messes up BOP. Oh my God! How? <laughs> so did they just like did they, did they acid dip like the engine block too? <laughs> No, like, seriously, has there been any explanation out of that camp as to how they ended up being 160 pounds as of, out? As of the day of recording, no. No. They're too busy firing the entire technical department, because that's the sort of screw-up where somebody loses their job. That's ridiculous. It's like, it's, like you've, it's, it's like you're out by one whole RJ. Like, that's just... No! I wish oh, I was still dear. 161. <laughs> so do I. I've not been. I've not been one sixty one since I was like thirteen. Like, like that ain't happening, bro. Oh dear. A guy. A guy can dream. Oh dear. Right. I think that's most of the news pretty much taken care of here, folks. We we had to we mention have, Jared Andrews. Yeah. On. Do we have a uh, King? You mentioned we have a story about uh, the for, the artist formerly known as Motors TV. Yes. Motorsport TV has announced that this year. They'll be offering a free-to-air service on Motorsport.tv. So there'll be a free subscription on Motorsport.tv. Oh, excellent. Multi-layered, over-the-top marketing from our friends at the Monolith. Yes, they have called it. They've already broken out all the buzzwords. They said that Motorsport.tv is now a freemium service. Oh, God. Freemium. It's a free-to-play service. (laughs) So, yeah, currently they have a free account, which, quote, from their website, offers unlimited standard content, my feed customization, (laughs) and comments and chat. You don't get any live coverage. Wait, 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 wait. What was that first line again? I have to hear that again. Unlimited standard content. Oh good. <laughs> have have you ever heard that line used to advertise anything? Unlimited standard so, content. Ooh. I don't know what standard content is because not only do you not get you, you not get any live coverage, you also don't get access to their video archives. <laughs> like so what the hell is a free account for then? Like is it just for like any time Fernando Alonso just feels like treating like his audience members of a free subscription for a month. Uh, I think it's for <laughs> collecting data personally. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. again, they still offer, you know, all the perks for just three ninety nine a month. Which is actually really good. Which is really good. No, that's cheap. That, that, that's, that's dirt cheap. I mean yeah. like I can't argue with so, that. So yeah, three ninety nine a month and thirty nine ninety nine for the year. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's like a free account which offers you Pretty much just highlights. Yeah, 
It offers you highlights of karting and various national superbikes championships. Yes, and you don't get, you know, the vast archives from Duke Video, which includes, you know, the entire Isle of Man and uh, Le Mans 24 Hours, uh, you know, archive. Yeah, you wouldn't get, would you get Super Formula with this? You would get Super Formula highlights. Okay. So the only way you watch Get Super Formula live is if you pay for it. I, I mm. think Artem mm. Markalov is going to be worth the price of admission. Oh, yeah. Artem Markalov is definitely worth the three ninety nine a month. Artem Markalov yeah. has already been making friends with the Toyota Gazoo Racing Bear. And it's <laughs> wonderful. Bre- breaking news, friend of the show, Hazel Safar, has 15 accounts. <laughs> <laughs> someone, should let Hazel, no, no. someone should let Hazel know that the three ninety nine dollars d- does not go directly to Artem Markalov. It should. <laughs> <laughs> If not, I'll buy 14 accounts offer. <laughs> I'm here for this. <laughs> Love you, Hazel. Um, but uh, like, I was here more for McKaylee Piro, to be honest with you, because McKaylee Piro is the goddamn man. But uh, yeah, like £4 a month for, for Artem Markolov doing Artem Markolov-like things. Um, I'm here for all of this. And also yeah. Grumpy Dan doing potential Grumpy Dan things. But they're like... Okay, can- cancel. Cancel. Put boards. But, like, brief heading back into it, um, they offer, they they block access to live coverage from certain series that broadcast for free on YouTube, like the Asian Le Mans series. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, no, we, we got to block this off. No, I'm sorry. Let me just go to YouTube and watch it for free instead. Okay. But, yeah, besides, <laughs> Logic. besides a new series that they added, they still have... Uh, British GT, Blancpain GT, they have yeah. uh, MXGP, the FIM World Motocross Championship, and ooh. Uh, ooh, I think that is... Yeah, that's pretty much the bulk of it. Yeah. It's not terrible for four quid a month. I mean, four quid a month is not a lot of money. So, you know, you get what you pay for in that sense. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a ridiculously great service but it's a decent archive and if you're into super formula four pound a month to see everything probably worth it so you know i i I normally want to throw motorsport tv under the bus but i i can't for four quid a month it's it's like it's like it's like it's 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 actually reasonably priced shit um i was hoping to bury it but no uh Damn it! I, uh, I wanted to be more critical of things. Why can't I be critical of things? Oh dear! But uh, yeah, oh, and I also mean, it's look- it's ad free if you pay for it. There are ads if you use the freemium side. Oh, for God! <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, it, it, it's like literally buying any mobile game these days. It's like yeah, any purchase removes ads. Okay. Fine, I'll, I'll 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 just have to delete my episode of uh, F1 Pack Rivals on my iPhone. Uh, fucking microtransactions. Um, anyway, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, okay, be having a good one, guys. And uh, I guess that's all the news for this one. Yeah. Um, after this quick musical interview, we'll be back to get into the IndyCar season preview. Okay, folks, here we go. The 2019 IndyCar season preview, ladies and gentlemen. 
This is going to be fun. And uh, we're going to break this down into into three major portions with a few intermissions sprinkled in to, to uh, talk about the calendars, the couple of changes, including the big one if you're in the UK. More on that in a bit if you haven't heard the news already. Um, the Road to Indy, so Indy Lights, Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000. And, of course, some bold predictions because some somewhere on the line, King is going to say something silly like Max Chilton's going to win a race or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll get to, we'll have time for all of that at the end. But, uh, RJ, you wrote a fantastic preview about this in your notes in the middle of work. Um, I'll let you take the wheel on this oh, one, no. my friend. Um, no, I, I actually, I actually uh, took time off from work on this. It's paid. Um, Ooh. And these notes are here for, um, I wrote them for you, my friend. Oh, you want, you want me to read them? Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's, now, that's, that's I very should, sweet of you, Yes, so I should <laughs> preface, there are some part-time teams that we're not going to go over in detail. Dragon Speed has Ben Handley, who actually generally raced in karting with Mats Verstappen. After he had already raced in the Formula Renault 3.5 series. He's new just like the team. Jack Harvey is driving uh, most of the season with Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, Coast Racing, we haven't heard a lot about them, um, but the smart money is that they will be around for a few races. They're still planning on some things, and of course, there's some Indy 500 special entries, Fernando Alonso's and the like. Yep, of course. But these are for the full-time teams that we know of that are committed as of today of recording, March 4th, 2019. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So from the top. Um, right. Here we go. Uh, so, Harlan Steinbrenner Racing. Uh, with, with the rookie Colton Herter in the number 88 car. Not seen on page a giant red line crossed out through Pato Awards' name. Uh, more on that in a bit. The optimism and goodwill around Harlan Steinbrenner Racing has taken serious damage going into 2019. You see, this was never meant to be a one car operation. Also, I, I love that Toki in the Discord immediately just puts in big capital letters, fuck Harding. Um, <laughs> if the boot fits. Eh? Um, Patricio Award was promised a full-time deal of HSR on the back of his dominant Indy Lights Championship campaign and a stellar debut at Sonoma. But the engine lease turned out to be just for free races. The sponsorship that was promised never arrived, and Award was granted an awkward severance from the team that has owner Mike Harding's reputation under serious scrutiny. Instead, they'll only have to com- only have to campaign the full season with Colton Herter, but only means that HSR, with new co-owner George Steinbrenner the fourth, will have all their resources behind the first indie car driver born in the 21st century. The on- they only invest in a driver who has won his first Indy Lights race at 16, won the Freedom 100 last year at Indy at 18, and won his class at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona just this January, and still doesn't turn 19 until the end of this month. This wasn't the plan in place at the start of the off-season, but hopefully, after the turbulent off-season, Herta can spark some joy in the team that has already been through the ringer before the season ever started. And yes, I know technically 2000 is the 20th century it starts with a two okay (laughs) that guy chris is being that guy what guy that guy (laughs) i can't talk i got my ears mixed up on this show all the goddamn time (laughs) so yeah i I get that understanding i mean yeah there's there's no there's no getting around it here folks i mean it's it's been a difficult off season for the team that had such hype and promise and excitement in in uh 
um, for, for for Hertz for Colton Hertz and Patricio Award. Patricio Award had an even better off season. He went to the race of champions and you know really did sh- one of the guys that really shined the most. I'd say in that weekend. Um, took Christofferson on in his own game in Rallycross and very, very nearly beat him and everyone raised an eyebrow at that one. Um, so for this to, to break off a Patricio award just, you know, weeks before the new season was set to begin, uh, it's a punch in the gut for us as fans and for the team in general. I mean, RJ, you talked about this nearer the time, but is this not like the third driver from that part of the world that Harding's broken it off with in the last right. handful of years? So just to recap, um, they had Gabby Chavez under a multi-year contract that is now ended. Santiago Urrutia has said that he had a handshake deal with Harding Racing to drive this past season that never came to fruition. And now this thing oh, with God. Patricia Award. Um, as of recording, he is saying that he has uh, he has something, nothing happened for St. Peter, but there's better chances for Austin. And we may get to him in a team that comes up later on that still has a few seats and a few races left to sell. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely not a good situation. Um, Chris, I'm, I think you might know a little bit more about it. The thing is, is that... Patricio signed a non-disclosure agreement regarding his situation with Harding, so we can't delve into too much about mm. what exactly went down. What I will say is this. Um, I am extremely confident, based on things that I have heard, that he will be in quite a few races this year. Um, well, I mean, he has to because of the Andy Light scholarship, because if he doesn't in a few races, he loses it. But I've heard some good rumblings about places where he could end up. Um, it's just really a sad situation because if you look at Patricio Ward's career, especially in the road to Indy, in 2015 he was a rookie in Pro, I'm sorry, Indy Pro 2000. Did that year in 2016 he was raced by race through the first half of the year and won five of the first six races, but lost a championship later on. 2017 he does the uh, Rolex the entire IMSA season and prototype challenge and wins that championship. Goes back to open wheel, kicks button Indy lights, but. Finally, everything goes right for Patricio, and then all of a sudden, it empties out like a lead balloon. Um, hate it for Patricio because he's done all the right things, but you know, unfortunately, just racing ultimately is a lot, is a lot like life. It just isn't fair. Um, I guess the one bright spot that we can look at in this is the fact that we have a second-generation driver within the team with Colton Herta. We have a good legacy continuing, and a driver that's clearly not afraid to poke fun at himself. I'm not sure how many of y'all heard the story about Colton Herter from the Rolex 24 that he told at any uh, IndyCar Media Day. Apparently, he was told that he was driving in his first stint in the car at the uh, Rolex 24 right before it happened, and his phone was with him. So his phone actually made the entire race in the car. So his girlfriend actually oh, wow. pinged find my iPhone and actually could trace it going around the circuit the entire race. <laughs> That's fantastic. And although we did get a new phone afterwards, the phone actually still worked after the race was done, even though the screen was cracked. Oh, see, uh, Colton, I just hope you have the Apple Care Plus. Take it from somebody who actually works in the phone business. Apart from this. <laughs> That is impressive. Um, very impressive hey, indeed. If you don't know um, already, Colton Herta was driving for BMW, Ray Hall Letterman, and he drives for them in the endurance races. 
and his car actually won the GT Le Mans class at the Daytona 24 hours this year. I'm sorry, the Daytona 23 hours and 50 minutes. Wow. That's a lot, man. But like I said, as RJ alluded to, man, it's like, as much as obviously we have every right to be disappointed about about Palo Award, like, Colton Herter is a very, very exciting young talent as well. And that absolutely should not be overlooked going into this season. And... I, I can only hope, you know, the right opportunities come up for him and he, he gets the rub of the green in some of these results because he's done nothing but good things no matter what he's raced in from the time he was a, literally a teenager. Yeah, he was, also, uh, again, he was kicking ass and taking names in Europe, but then, then he came back to the States. Lest we forget, mm. he was racing in the Euro Formula Open Championship. He was, I believe he was racing in what is now the BRDC British F3 Championship uh, before mm. coming back to Indy Lights. Uh, the guy's good, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, does Harding Steinberger Racing have a uh, technical alliance with one of, the t- one of the big three? That they do. With Andretti, uh, Andretti Autosport, they do. Ooh. Yeah. So, again, they, they should have two cars, but the one car that they do have... I mean, if everything goes goes according to plan, uh, I know Colton didn't have a good first race at Sonoma. He only finished 20th, but again, that was more mm. of a learning experience than anything, uh, as it probably should have been for Patricio, but Patricio just knocked it out of the park the first time out. Uh, I think this year you'll, be, you'll definitely be seeing a, a better representation of what Colton Herta can bring to the table as an IndyCar driver. And again, he does not turn 19 until the end of March. Yeah, that's that's terrifying. Why are we so goddamn old? <laughs> oh dear. But uh, like I said, a lot of reason to be excited about this team, and uh, yeah, it's a shame we we haven't got the second car. I mean, again, there's promising signs about Pato later on in the year, and I'm sure he'll shine in his own way too. But that uh, you could do a lot worse than than Colton Herter um, for 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 a rookie, essentially. Um, but uh, yeah next along the line we move up to Carlin so Carlin Racing they have the 23 car which is now being split this season between Charlie Kimball and uh, the returning RC Ennison as well as Max Chilton in the 59 car on his own Trevor Carlin has won in pretty much every form of racing his team has ever challenged, but IndyCar proved to be a really tough challenge as they struggled massively through the first half of 2018. That said, they put in much better results at the end of the year and are building towards better results in 2019. Only two drivers failed to score a single top 10 finish in all 17 races last year, and one of them was Matt Chilton. He's back in his second season with Carlin, needing to recapture some of the magic he displayed when he led a quarter of the 2017 Indy 500. Perhaps with a year experience with the team around him, he will turn the corner in 2019. What of the driver that led Carlin to their first six top 10 finishes in 2019? Charlie Kimball is scaling back to, to a part-time role as a driver while also remaining with the team as a coach in the rest of the season. So what becomes of the 23 car without Kimball in his five-race slate? Former teenage phenom R.C. Ennison has seemingly emerged from the wilderness and is back in the frame. We don't know for how many races just yet, but if his testing form was an indicator, he's ready to compete again after two years away. Dude, I remember R.C. Ennison debuting in mid-Ohio like it was yesterday. Like, just... I remember it because that was my, I talked about it in my first episode of the show. You did, didn't you? Wow, that was a long time ago. What the hell's happened to us since then? 
like I love that in their supporters club, like again, again, like on the Discord, Jason Bond goes like, "So Kimber, you're telling me is slightly above average." Uh, well, does, does that very ended last season? Was was that his ranking to on be the fair, scale? Kimball did give yeah. Carlin their first top five finish ever in IndyCar racing. So yeah, I would say he was above yeah. average. Yeah, seventeenth in the standings. Uh, he is doing five races, St. Pete, so he'll be there this weekend. He'll do Indy, Texas, Pocono, and his home race at Laguna Seca. So he's still with the team, but he is not. Uh, he is not driving the full season in the number twenty-three car. Was there any major reason for Kimball scaling back? Because I didn't hear much about this. Probably, um, more than likely, uh, Novo Nordisk, his uh, his longtime sponsor. He is, of course, the first uh, type 1 diabetic to race full-time in the IndyCar series. Uh, they backed him through most of his career, and it looks like they're scaling back their own sponsorship. So, in turn, oh. Charlie Kimball is scaling back his involvement as a driver. He's... I mean, he's still yeah. going to be with the team. He's still going to coach, um, and he's still going to be with the team in some capacity. Gotcha. Yeah, th that that didn't make sense. I, I did see less of his sponsor around these days, so that does make some sense. Um, yeah, it's a shame because, like I said, Kimball really did put the team on his back last year and had some very solid results down the end of the year, which so much so I had to kind of redraw my uh, running joke about where he slides on the scale. was somewhere between draconian and, and decent, basically. Um, so, yeah, Kimball, a solid backbone to go on. Also, a shame as well to mention that there was, we talked about it at the end of the last season, the possibility of them running three cars, and that obviously didn't quite happen. Um, in the end, which is a shame because I know, I think, I think Chris, I think you asked a couple of questions to Trevor about it, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, better than fifty-fifty chance," and didn't quite happen, which is another small shame. Um, there were several rumors about Carlin whether a they were going to go to three cars or b they were going to get back into Indy Lights. We'll get into that later on, um, but it looks mm. like they haven't had the best of both results with both of those rumors. Um, the good thing about the only the weird thing about Carlin though this past year was that they had no engineers on the staff that had previous IndyCar experience, so they basically built the team from the ground up literally uh, to get the results that they did. Now Trevor's going to say, of course, that you know, oh, we didn't impress, we weren't that good, but when you look at how difficult IndyCar is to compete in on that level, I would say they did a respectable job. I agree. I think. Given the circumstances, you know, brand new team, inexperienced, you know, um, I think they did a very solid job. And I, I said at the end of last year, I thought like they had a very solid foundation um, to build off of. Um, but uh, it's, it's been a little bit, it's a little bit, it's been a little bit more wobbly for them in the off season. But uh, I mean. RJ, what do you what do you make of R.C. Edison there getting getting the like the majority was, of the rides for this season? This was a surprise. Again, he mm. showed up at the, uh, I believe he was at the most recent, he was at the most recent test at Coda. If you go to the Wikipedia page as of today, you'll see R.C. Anderson's name listed next to the 23 car, but it doesn't tell you how many races. He's trying to get the other 12. Um, we don't mm. know how many it's going to be. I mean, Chris, I mean, you're a little closer to Paddock than us. You know what, what, what's happening with the Anderson camp? I haven't heard that much, uh, to be honest with you. Um... I like the fact that he's getting back into IndyCar racing. Um, Hell yeah, I'm glad. Well, for a couple of reasons, one of, mm, one of which I'm not going to discuss in the air, but the other reason is that you know he's a, he was a good road to Indy driver. He was runner-up in the 2014 USF 2000 Championship. 
Um, could have won that championship that year. Um, did a decent job in Indy Lights, won in, the, won in Indy Lights as well. And I think taking a step back, he, he's doing basically what Zach Veach did. He took a step back to make two steps forward. And I think it's going to um, show dividends because he's, his family runs the Lucas Oil School of Racing. And I think taking a step back to get that squared up is going to help him get more funny to do more races. I think Anderson hasn't lost what made him good. And I think he'll have a great chance to show people that he is as good as people remember him for at, at uh, Mid-Ohio which coincidentally was also my first time at Mid-Ohio, which, by the way, if you haven't gone to Mid-Ohio, it's an interesting facility. I say interesting because it retains a really, really great charm that really shows what fun IndyCar racing can be on a road course. Also a ninth-place finish in his second race at Watkins Glen. Mm. Talented guy. Very, very talented. Were you at that race, Ryan? Oh, no, I was not at that race. Also... Henry in the Discord uh, drafted up a separate document from ours, and I'm, I'm seeing, oh, there's Patricio Award again. Again, this is not confirmed. It's again, it's under heavy brackets, heavily rumored. I, I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that either. That's news to me. Henry's got se- Henry's got sources, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's got. S- Sky sources. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he is, yeah, apparently he was at the Laguna Seca test, and it's been rumored. He is, uh, after the uh, the Harding Cyber announcement, he turned down a, uh, a part-time deal to race with Andretti that would have still involved Harding Cyber racing, and thus Mike mm. Harding, who would have just broken away from the team. Uh, that's the latest it stands. If they could get Anderson and Patricia Award in subcapacity at Carbon, that'll be awesome. That would be awesome. That'd be a very talented young team. Fun times on that one. King, anything to add regarding carding going forward? Ooh, anything? I, not in particular, just like, kind of like my own opinion on the team is like, while it seems, you know, Charlie Campbell, who's, <laughs> if you listen to the show, has established himself as, you know, one of the kind of stalwart drivers of the series stepping back. It might seem like a bad thing for Carlin, but I think in the long in the long run for the team, I think it'll be good to, you know, bring Anderson into their camp. I, I think so too. I think they need... I think they've got the backbone through Kimball, and I think it's time to let some of the younger talent take the lead. And, you know, I'm not sure about Chilton still. I'm still kind of unconvinced because I think he blows hot and cold for me a little bit too much in this series. Like some, like I know the Chip Ganassi run ended on somewhat of a sour note, and I, I know he was kind of fourth in the pecking order over there. But I think the jury, I think this might be the make or break year for Chilton, given he's in the fifty nine car on his own. I agree, and uh, um, I, I've, especially with you know an exciting young talent and Arcee Edison in the other car, that's a good matchup for him. Um, I think the goodwill might run out if if year three for Chilton. Uh, doesn't start yielding more consistent results. But hey, who's counting? Sh- shall we get into AJ Foyt? Uh, this is this is going to be a fun one, folks. AJ Foyt Enterprises in the number four car again. It's, it's like, uh, like guys, guys, button down the hatches, stop the presses. An unchanged driver lineup <laughs> of Foyt. What? <laughs> I, I know, I can't quite believe it either, but uh, yeah, Matthias Leist and Tony Kanaan retain their seats in the 4 and 14. No, they haven't cleared the deck. I'm as shocked as you are, Jason. 
finally, continuity at AJ's Foyt Enterprises, a team that has since 2016 gone through three different tandems of full-time drivers, switched from Honda to Chevrolet, effectively done everything but replace team principal Larry Foyt, who operates the team with AJ as the figurehead of the organization. 2018, in terms of championship results, was the worst season for IndyCar Ironman Tony Kanaan since 2000, a year in which he missed four races due to injury. This is Kanaan's age 44 season, and he is over four years removed from his last win. He, like AJ Foyt, is a driver who will push like hell to win every race, but not even an all-time legend like Kanaan can race forever at this level, and it feels like the sun is setting in his incredible career. On the opposite side of the spectrum, Maceus Likes looked like a driver who was rushed in too early in his rookie year, even after an impressive enough start at St. Petersburg. Only one other driver drove every race and failed to score a top 10 finish. Then again, IndyCar is notoriously difficult on rookie drivers, and perhaps just as he did in Indy Lights in 2017, Likes will see a turnaround, lest he risk burning out of the circuit at just 20 years old. As Henry mentioned, Tony Kanaan's 22nd season yeah. in IndyCar yeah. at this he point. He is the only um, full-time driver left who drove in a year that began in a one, and this is also the 15th anniversary of the, of the year that he won the IndyCar Series title in 2004 with Andretti Green Racing. Christ. Yeah, he's been around I feel ancient now. Just, just a tad. And, he's, and you know what's the worst part is? One, he still looks like Vin Diesel, and two, he still hasn't aged. <laughs> Yeah, he looks exactly the same as he did twenty years ago. It's actually quite terrifying. Yeah, with his physical fitness regimen, you could not tell that that was his worst season in almost twenty years. He was still relatively <laughs> new to the sport. He punished himself by running another triathlon. That's what just, just that's just what Tony Kanaan does in his in his free time because he's a crazy man. <laughs> but uh, as, as Black Abad asked in the chat, is is he the last of the cart drivers? I think. Dixon. Isn't Bourdais Dixon. still around as well? It's Dixon as well? It's Bourdais, it's Dixon, it's Power, it's Ryan Hunter Ray still there. Pagano? Yeah, yeah as Pagano, well, I think. he yeah. was a rookie in 07. Yeah, so. There's a few. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Pagano was uh, a cart driver. I would say, because Bourdais was rookie of the year the last cart season. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, if if you true. want if you want to get into semantics, also James Hinchcliffe kind of counts because he was Eurosports champ car commentator in his <laughs> late teens and early twenties. Graham Rahal, of yeah, yes, Rahal proper Rahal debuted. I think as an eighteen year old. That's yeah. I think two thousand six. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, we'll talk about so, that later. There's there's more on that, but uh, yes, as we mentioned in 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 in, in press stopping news, Foyt retains a driver lineup. I mean. Are we finally going to get some stability and maybe even some improvement out of this camp? Because Foyt were amongst the worst of the full-time runners last season. And, like, on paper, you can't really justify clearing out what they had for those two and the results went down the pan a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I would have said the same about clearing the decks of when they had Carlos Munoz and Connor Daly. Ugh. I, I don't know where you go with his team. It's it's like Leist had flashes of brilliance. Yeah. But just wasn't great over the course of the entire season. He made a, a few silly mistakes that um you know took him out of good positions. I remember St. Pete, I think he was running as high as third at one point yeah. before he and put it in the wall yeah. and crashed out of after 
pretty much impressing all through practice and qualifying and had nothing to show for it. Yeah. Didn't he crash out in Texas as well, yeah, I think did. it was? Yeah, and that was another one as well. I mean, the talent is there. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he has had elements of running amongst the top. Yeah, fire in Texas. Cheers, Henry. Um, he's had elements of running the top, but again, was not able to put it together into consistent results in that sense. Um, and as for Kanan, well, again, he's the backbone of your team. Like, Kanan was a guy when he was at chip still. He was still in the top eight on a regular basis. Um, so I don't know how much of it is the natural decline of a 44-year-old driver and how much of it is just the, the resources in the team they're in. I'm not entirely sure how much of the split goes either way. But, um, Chris, I'm going to you on this one. Like, what do you make of the team going well, forward? First of all, you were right in saying that Lace was absolutely rushed up too far, um, too quickly. Uh, in my opinion, he should have done mm. more year of Indy Lights. Um, continuity is needed at AJ Floyd Racing because having to redo their driver lineup year after year after year, you're not going to get any stability uh, to build off of. Um, they have a great driver with Tony Kanaan. Granted, he hasn't won since 2014 at Fontana. They made a few changes in the right direction. They put the four, one of the cars in Speedway, Indiana, to where they were rebuilding it up there. Um, but let's face it, when you have your other half of your team in Texas, granted, technology is great where you can do office meetings over the phone, etc., etc. There's no substitute for being all in one place. They made a few good changes, but they still need to make a few more, move the rest of the team to Speedway, Indiana, and be done with it. Because you're not going to get the best people moving to Houston, Texas to go work when you have your entire sport basis in Indianapolis, except for Team Penske in Charlotte and Dale Coin Racing up in Chicago. Let's face it, you're fighting an uphill battle and you're just going to be Sisyphus all over again. You're not going to get that much people, no matter how many free tickets to Rockets games you promise. <laughs> Unless your name's Roger Penske. <laughs> Are you saying that Roger Penske gets all the free Rockets tickets? Oh, no, I'm just saying... I'd rather, you know, I'd move to Charlotte. I, you know I'd have to deal with, you know, the Hornets to work for Roger Penske. And the Panthers. But you still get to hang out with Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> you get to hang out with Cam Newton and Ric Flair. What's not to love? I don't know, man. Ric Flair changes alliances like every single week, it seems. <laughs> yeah, so he, so he, as he, it he, turns out, he, he is actually a heel still. Yeah, it turns out he's like the new big show, basically. Um, but, uh... <sighs> I mean, King, before we move on, again, Foyt, I mean, what's the, what did the tea leaves say on this one for you? Nothing more than what Chris said, pretty much. It's like, it's great to see them actually retain their driver lineup. Oh, God. But, yeah, they're always going to be, you know, working with one hand tied behind their back with, you know, half the team in Houston. I still don't get why that's a thing. I, I just... I, I find that mind-boggling that their two cars are, what, like a thousand miles apart, basically. I get it. AJ <laughs> doesn't want to leave home in his mid-80s. Yeah. But... True. But you kind of... This is AJ Foyt! you wouldn't have to worry about killer bees. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, uh... It, the fragmented approach clearly is not working. And... I don't know. I mean, it's it. I, I still find it eyebrow raising to say the least. But uh, yeah, I honestly I fear that 
uh, they'll sweep the decks again if they don't perform this year. I mean, because Kanan is is ready for the call at 44, quite frankly, and Matt Leist might not get a third chance, um, especially with you know younger talent coming up through the through the mill quicker than quicker than ever these days. Um, Leist might be a guy that burns out quick, which worries me a little bit. But um, I mean, heck, if F1 can be this savage, there's no reason IndyCar can't be too. Yeah, because um, I've like we talked about this when they first joined the team. Largely, their funding comes from Brazilian TV, and if they can't perform mm. well, the TV networks are going to lose interest. And yeah, I don't. I wouldn't see them getting back in another year if they don't show any signs of improvement. Moved to another Brazilian driver. I hear there's a kid named Victor Franzoni that's still looking for a ride, especially in Indy Lights. Yeah. I heard there's a guy who raced in USF 2000 last year that might have won a major esports title. And I heard that in USF 2000 this year, there might be another second generation racer in Eduardo Barrichello. No Brazil. Do, 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 do. Driving with Jack William Miller. The son of the racing the dentist. The racing dentist. <laughs> the By racing way, dentist. We have race the other racing the way, dentist. I actually have a diecast of Dr. Jack's car at the at my parents' house, and it is amazing. That does sound amazing. Crest toothpaste, ladies and gentlemen. What, that's what we call activation, everybody. <laughs> How did a racing dentist finesse a Crest sponsorship in the peak years of, like, Indie Racing League's trough? Uh, to this day, I'm still not entirely sure. But hey, shout out. Just, that, that's a good reason, as any. Uh, <laughs> also, shout out to our other racing Dennis Miguel Oliveira, who makes his GP debut this weekend for Tech Free. Good luck, Miguel. See, I <laughs> thought we were going to be talking about Colin Calls. Oh, I see what you did there. Should we go over the calendar in general, folks? Yes. Yes. Calendars and changes in general. So, in case you haven't seen the calendar already, we'll give you a quick rundown. Again, season starts this weekend. The Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg this weekend on March 10th. Two weeks after that, we have the new IndyCar Classic. And wait, that track looks like a lot like the Circuit of the Americas. It is the Circuit of the Americas. Oh, in Austin, son of Texas. a bitch! <laughs> yeah. What? Hooray! Yeah, motorsports people saying that indie cars are slow as hell compared to Formula One. And, and apparently Muse is taking part of the weekend. Who doesn't love a bit of Muse? <sighs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, not jealous either. I love a bit of Muse, so I, I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, Liz Lizzie, if you're listening to this, I hate you. Um, <laughs> love you, really. Um, two weeks after that, we, we have the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama at Barber Motorsports Park. Probably home to one RJ O'Connell for that, for who's there for that Say weekend. Hi to me. I'll be around creeping around in the bleachers and just, you know, hoping that I don't get rained on again. Look look for the guy with the most audacious colored hair. That, that's probably your guide. That is the first part of a back-to-back doubleheader because a week after they'll be heading to the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Everybody's favorite. Don't, don't all rush in at once, guys. I mean, seriously. I mean, <laughs> New title sponsor. It's not Toyota anymore. It's Acura. Yep. 
Of course. Hopefully the passes um, will count this year. That was that was a pass. I don't care what you tell me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, off that doubleheader, we take just about a month off for the month of May and the IndyCar Grand Prix at Indianapolis on May the 11th. Um, after that, just a couple of weeks later, you know it, I know it, it's the big one. The 103rd run-in of the Indianapolis 500 on May the 26th. Presented by Game um, <laughs> Yes. Yes, the second half of Day of Classics 4 Turbo. <laughs> yes. Of, of, of course. We have to call it and Day the- of Classics Forever. <laughs> And because of and because of NBC, I heard Mike Tirico will be on the call for that, which should be fun. Oh, He's... funnily enough, hey, the local NBC station in New York is Channel Four. Nice. Oh yes, well there you go. Nice. So after that, we get we get the quick bus over to Detroit for the duel in Detroit on June first and second. Obviously, two races at the, at Belle Isle. Indeed. So a week after that, we go again over to uh, Texas for the DXC Technology 600. Um, Scott Dixon totally isn't going to dominate this one, you guys. Honest. <laughs> Promise. He's kind of good around Texas. Um, just throwing that one out there. A couple of weeks after that, we go to the Rev Group Grand Prix at Road America. My favorite. I love Road America so much. That's, that's going to be fun. That's going to be a great round. I love Road America. Um, series takes three weeks off after that and then comes back on July 14th for the Honda Indy Toronto race. Um, all the Canadian jokes that will be made by James race Hitchcliffe. If you've never gone, I went last year for the very first time, and I can tell you right now, if I can make it every year from now on, I will do so. Um, the drive is is inter- the driving is interesting in Canada as well because if you're not used to kilometers an hour, you don't know how fast you can go and get away with stuff too. <laughs> so right. Let me, let, me, let me just tell the story real quick here while we got a, a minute or two. Um, oh. I was driving down the uh, I, I don't know what they, call, what they call the interstate. If it is, it called the interstate in Canada, and I was going you know 100 kilometers an hour in the right hand lane because I'm like I don't want to break any laws. Yeah, and all of a sudden. Wait, did a smart car just pass me? Alright, I'm going to slow here. <laughs> oh. Oh, d- passed by a smart car. We got passed um, by, 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 pass by a Mercedes subcompact. A, a Mercedes subcompact that was going more than 60 miles an hour. Has a smart car <laughs> ever been over 60 miles an hour in any context? Uh, uh, Jesus Christ! That, oh dear! Well, oh Christ! Yeah, that. So. <laughs> In more ways than Get one. Get deported from Canada. <laughs> speaking yes, of international yeah. incidents, we have corn on July twentieth. Corn. corn. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is no corn. It is just the Iowa three hundred. Boo! Oh. Boo! Okay, that, there's only one thing for it. We have to call Joseph Newgarden and Simon Pagano to film a new corn advert for Iowa. There is only one thing for it, my French friend. Um, yes, I, I, the uh, the Iowa Not Corn 300 is in the middle of a triple header sandwich for Indy Cargos Toronto, Iowa, and then eight days later in, at, at the at Mid Ohio we have the Honda Indy 200. Um, I'd like to call it Rahul Land. Iowa is now a Saturday night race it's been during the day yes. it's back yes. baby back under the lights 
Yes, 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 yes. I'm here, I'm here for all of You're that. You're here for that until you realize how late you have to stay up for this. Yeah, because the start time for you, Dre, would be approximately, what, 12.30? I give no fucks. Um, <laughs> I'm watching that race. Um, Iowa tends to be a fun one. Um, the, best, the, best the day after my birthday. Car to trigger Matt Weaver. Sorry, Matt. Iowa is a short track. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Iowa's undoubtedly. Yeah. If, if it's less than a mile, it's a short track by definition. Yeah. Like, isn't it like point eight seven five of a mile, Iowa? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Super takes another three week break after that one, and then the day after my birthday, which I'll be 27 on, don't even remind me, dear God, um, we are heading off to the tricky triangle at Pocono for the ABC Supply 500. Who doesn't love Pocono? We love a good super speedway, and Pocono is always a fun one. Uh, that'll be on August 18th. That's, again, another part of a double header because we are back at Gateway Motorsports Park a week, like, six to six days later, actually, on August 24th for the Bon Marito Automotive Group 500. We might have to, guys, we might have to tie another lap down again if they <laughs> offer that again, because that was fun. Um, just just because, like, like Ma, we made it. Uh, and, like, I love Gateway since it's been back on the calendar. It has produced some great racing. Um, so, yeah, we're here for Gateway. Uh, and another part of a triple header because the last one we go a week after that, we're heading back to Portland, Portland International Raceway for the Grand Prix of Portland. And that, that'll be at 3.30 Eastern there. And three weeks after that, the middle in September 22nd, the season finale, it's not at Sonoma. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. In case you forgot, we are heading to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca for the Firestone Grand Prix of Monterey, the season finale. Laguna Seca, September 22nd. Oh, he's been Mazda Raceway to me, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> the historian and king weeps a single fog tear. Um, but uh, the corkscrew is back, baby. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys, I, I love this calendar this year. I think it's awesome. It's great. I, you got you, it's, got, you don't have Phoenix, you don't have Sonoma, you do have Coda, and you do have Laguna Seca. And you get that was awesome. Like, if, if I was running IndyCar, I'd try to advertise July as being like, its own mini triple crown because you start off with a street race then an oval the next week then a road course race to close out the month yeah all all this calendar needs is watkins Glen back and it's perfect almost perfect you're still missing michigan and the burke lake front airport ah yes you're right right so alongside all of that RJ, what's been some of the major changes in indycar this year well we have new television deals of course we talked about at length the whole season will be on the NBC Sports family of networks in the United States. And in the United hey. Kingdom announced this past week, IndyCar is coming to Sky Sports F1! It justifies the subscription now! <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, look, like, okay, again, everyone looks at the, the one British guy left on this call, for my opinion, on this. I've, I've, kind of, I've, been, I've been relatively quiet about this, because I know a lot of guys on the internet like to boil their own piss over things like this. Um, yeah, IndyCar's now on Sky Sports F1. Now, this, on paper, is a solid deal. Um, all the qualifying, all the qualifying sessions and races will be live, which is great. This includes the Indy 500, which, again, is great. 
Um, I'm a little bit gutted because BT Sport did genuinely do a good job with their broadcasts and their guys there, like Keith Keith Connantine in the back. However, they did not give a shit about the series being on their network at all. They've always been, yeah. And they did a good they did a good job broadcasting it, except for the Indianapolis 500. We don't talk about Susie Perry and basically trying to trigger Mike Conway. I, I, yeesh. Um, yeah, I know it was kind of forced on there by ESPN, as Henry alludes to, but yeah, like their broadcasts outside of the 500 were generally pretty good. The ones where they weren't in studio with Keith Collins in the back, generally good stuff. And they don't have to um, worry about ESPN International anymore because IndyCar Media is an in-house arm that's been created for all the international broadcasts. Yep. Lit. Which includes um, in Lewis Sotheby's neck of the woods now, DAZN in Spain. Yes it's, on, yes, it's on the Canelo Alvarez Michael Buffer network for those listening <laughs> in the United States. Uh, we Lit. we have a new title sponsor in NTT Data. We have a new official fuel company in Sunoco. The IndyCar app is no longer carry restrictions. No, no, in no. Speedway is replacing Sunoco. Oh, yes, I had it backwards. Whoops. At, so again, as I said, Speedway is replacing Sunoco, not Sunoco replacing Speedway. Which means no more Graham Hay- Rahal grabs the lead again. <laughs> Poor one out Sigh. for legend. Well, I'm pretty sure we'll still see more Graham because I'm pretty sure Speedway is based in Ohio. There's a there's a Speedway <laughs> station right next to my house, so we're claiming something. You think that's something? There's actually a Speedway gas station in Speedway, Indiana, across from the Speedway. That's Inception. Whoa. Okay. Nice. Also, to reply to the chat, uh, IndyCar does have deals, TV deals in place for uh, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand. They just haven't been announced yet, despite the race happening this weekend. Oops. You, 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 might, you guys might want to get that wrapped up, you know, like get it out there. You've got a race this weekend. Oh dear. Um, Jeez, it's, uh, yeah. it's not Sky pretty. Sports New Zealand, for those in Ditsonland. Ditsonland. Um, uh, Canada. Sure. He's an Aussie. He's an Aussie. He ain't no Kiwi, damn it. <laughs> uh, right. Should we pick up on the, on the, the midfield? We should. We should. Next on the pile, Ed Carpenter Racing, everybody. Everybody loves Uncle Ed and his racing team. And he's still here, everybody. He's sharing that number 20 car, but this time with one Ed Jones. The two-headed monster. You took the words right out of my mouth, okay? <laughs> I had it written down on paper in this document at 7 a.m. <laughs> I'm Honestly, I'm just disappointed no one has made an Ed and Eddie reference yet. I'm disappointed in all of you, Discord. Uh, let, me press it. let me press that button here. <laughs> Oh dear. Very good. Very good. Um, And in the 21 car, we have Spencer Piggott. 
um, making his return to the series. Manchester United fan extraordinaire Spencer Piggott, so we automatically stand for Spencer Piggott. Um, and anyone argue that will be shot. Ed Carpenter Racing have, in recent years, proven themselves a team capable of victories on any given weekend of IndyCar Series competition. They haven't won a race since Joseph Newgarden departed for Penske after 2016, but they have come pretty close over the last two winless seasons. 25-year-old Spencer Piggott knows that this is his year to take charge and become the leader of ECR, and in his first full-time campaign in 2018, he showed his best form of his brief IndyCar career. That included his best ever qualifying result at the Indianapolis 500 and his career best finish of second at Iowa, shedding his label as a deficient, o- a de- deficient oval driver, becoming the all-rounder that his championship success and the road to Indy promised. He has had the talent to win races, and in 2019, that may just happen. Wait for it, wait for it. The 20 car becomes the two-headed monster. Hey! Owner driver Red Carpenter is still enjoying his unlikely run as the middling journeyman turned oval specialist and successful team owner. In 2018, he started on pole at Indy for the third time and was the only driver in Will Powell's ballpark all race long. He's still chasing that storybook win at his home track and will drive five races in 2019. The other Ed is Ed Jones, a 2017 IndyCar Rookie of the Year who is trying to reacclimate after a tough season with Ganassi in 2018. Jones's deal with ECR comes via a partnership with top sports car racing team Scuderia Corsa. With a 13-race slate, including the 500 and reduced pressure, could we see Ed Jones recapture the form that made him stand out in 2017? I hope so. I hope yes. so. <laughs> I, I hope Jones bounces back. I, I predicted that Spencer Piggott would win races the last couple of years, and I think this might be the year it actually does happen. Like, RJ, it doesn't become any more valuable if you keep repeating the same bold prediction every year. Uh, it's the third year in a row you've done this now. I know, but, <laughs> na- I know, but now his favorite team has Ole Shulkshire. So it's different now. Uh, it's different. It is different. It is different. We're no, no, we're no, longer, we're no longer locking Paul Popper in the basement. Um, yes, that's fair. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I mean... Yeah, let's, let's talk about Ed Jones for a second, because as you said, Rookie of the Year in 2017 was very impressive in his first year at Dale Coyne, took the number 10 seat on a chip, and was largely mediocre outside of um, outside of that uh, podium at Long Beach. I think and another podium at Detroit. He had a few top 10 yes. finishes apart from that, but he also had four retirements. One of them being a spin mm. second place at Phoenix. I'm sorry, ISM Raceway. It's still Phoenix to me, damn it. We can't call it Phoenix anymore, damn it. Are you some raceway at Phoenix? No, <sighs> we're calling it Phoenix. Yeah, and, and as people have pointed out, probably should have been the 2017 Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year after a third place finish. Went to some guy named Fred. God damn it. It's always the Freds, isn't it? Fred Massa just ruined it for everybody. Fun fact about his run that year in Indy, he actually had a hole in the nose of his car at the end of the race, so he actually had a massive draft coming through his car near the end. Mm. Did you know that he was the first Indy Lights driver to win his first three races since the late great Greg Moore? Right, loves rule. Yeah. So, Ed's a quality <laughs> driver. He had a tough season. He had a tough go of things at Ganassi. I, I, think, I think it gets back on track. Again, Ed Carpenter Racing have the resources and the equipment to win races. They do, they definitely do, and 
Like, when the 500 rolls around, his cars are always in contention. As mentioned, Carpenter was sensational, the Indy 500 last year. You know, was the only guy I mentioned in Will Powers' postcode. Was, you know, was running second most of the way. Um, as much as I mock Carpenter for being the oval specialist, when he kind of isn't that good at ovals anymore, I, I, still haven't, I still haven't forgiven him for taking out Robert Wickens. Um, may, may or may not have been on purpose. Um, but uh, it's it's a solid team, man. And like Spencer Pickett is a really exciting talent for me. Like Spencer is right up there now, as you know, knocking on the door of I think like being a regular top ten sitter now in this series. And who knows? Maybe that first win is coming. I, I don't want to feed RJ here, but uh, but uh, oof, I'm not sure on that one. I mean, King, what do you make of, of Ed Garbiner going forward here? Uh. I mean, I like the number of outings that Ed Carpenter, Ed Carpenter is giving Ed Jones. Uh, I'm always a bit... I'm always apprehensive about Ed Carpenter, mainly because whoever he gets paired with is going to do fantastic, but they usually don't get much time to develop on the ovals. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. This is something that's actually a little different, because as previous road racing specialist to take up the rest of Ed Carpenter's schedule. Spencer Pickett went through this. They didn't race on ovals. Jones does have a deal to race in the Indianapolis 500. Yes. In his own car. So are we starting to see, are we starting to see a shift there? Um, I'm not sure. Again, I'm optimistic about the equipment. I think Carpenter will have another year where he contends for the Indianapolis 500. I'm not sure if he'll win it. I think Jones will bounce back, and I think Spencer Pickett will make another breakthrough. I think he'll start consistently being in for podiums. I'm, inc- I'm inclined to agree. I've, I think that's a solid take. I think, I mean, I think there's every chance to keep it the class of the midfield. I I really do. <sighs> but that's a um, tough. that's a tough midfield class to be a part of, though. That's the thing. Should we get into the next team and talk about it a bit more? Yeah, then? definitely. Let's let's get into DCR Dale Coin Racing and in the eighteen card, the People's Champ, King's favorite, Sebastian Bourdais. Yay! In the nineteen card, not so People's favorite, Santino Ferrucci. To be fair, his beautiful. To be fair, his <sighs> looks amazing. It does. It's a very pretty car. I'm not denying that. In the 19 car. So, here's something that may surprise you about Dale Coin Racing. They're the third oldest active IndyCar team, and the last team left from the Champ Car side of the split after IndyCar and Champ Car unified in 2008. It took them 25 years to win their first race, but now they're a genuinely respectable team that can compete for wins annually. Speaking of respect, they have two drivers sitting with different balances in the proverbial respect bank. Sebastian Bourdais, now 40, is finally getting the respect as an all-time great that he's deserved for years. He's sixth on the all-time win list behind only Foyt, Unzer, Andretti's Michael and Mario and Dixon, and he's added to his wins tally in each of the last five seasons of his career renaissance. He's doing this with the team that were the minnows of the champ car paddock and the peak of his career when they became the only man to ever win four straight national championships. The only thing missing now, after the four national championships, the two Rolex 24 overall wins, the Le Mans class win, is an Indy 500 win that has eluded him in eight attempts over 14 years. Santino Ferrucci? 
Well, he's still trying to earn back the little respect he, that had been lost to many in 2018. Even if he never had the career self-sabotage at Silverstone, even if he never fell out of F2 due to his conduct issues and non-payments, if you only examined him through his part-time 2018 season in IndyCar, Ferrucci as a driver still got under driver's skin, including his own teammate, and could not string together a completely solid race until Sonoma. Of every driver in the full-time field, Ferrucci will be under more scrutiny than any other rookie in recent years, especially when one considers the other young free agent drivers who don't have a full-time ride. Hi, Pato. <sighs> oh, dear. Uh, let's get to the positive side of this first. Let's talk about Seb Bourdais. King! <laughs> Lead the way. Oh, God. <laughs> it... as, as much as we mock Graham Rahal for saying every year he'll be a, a championship contender. I think we we have to acknowledge that Bourdain does pretty much the same thing every year as well. Yeah, he, uh, he, he wins at St. Yeah, he actually leads the championship. That That's his defense. He actually leads the championship. But it feels like uh, Coin are never able to string it into a full season. Obviously, there was that one year where you had the horrendous crash in qualifying for the 500 that ruled him out of pretty much the rest of the season. But oh boy, every other season they just fall off in terms of performance against the rest of the other teams. <laughs> yeah, and and in fairness, in his side of the garage, he also has Vassar and Sullivan, formerly of KB Racing. So it's kind of like a <laughs> mm. Dale Coin KB Racing hybrid. I mean. This is incredible. I mean, we we thought more days, his best days have been behind him, and then he wins run race in 2014, and he keeps winning races. He keeps winning at least one race a year, um, and he's at least solidly in the top ten in the championship. Do I think he'll contend for titles while he's a coin? I don't know, but he, again, he's doing much better than a lot of people expect, and especially for this team who, again, at the time that he was winning those four straight titles and winning t eight or ten races a season, Dale Coyne Racing were struggling just to get, like, a string of mediocre pay drivers together just to fund one or two cars. Can you, Francisco Draconi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, again, King alluded it to, and I completely agree. Sebastian Bourdais is one of the biggest I-will-punch-above-my-weight drivers in the series, regardless of, of car, because he's just that good at this point. Um, yeah, wasn't the knock on him early against his career was that he wouldn't do anything without Newman Haas racing setups? Well, as it turns out... <laughs> no, turns out he really is one of the best drivers of the modern era, and he can take anything into into winning contention. As mentioned, again, takes championship lead early on, seizes early initiative, can't hold it out for a full season, whether it be by accident or by mistake. Um, he's not perfect by any stretch, Bordet, but he, again, as, I, as I've always said, he's one of the perennial... Like, he's the proper Fernando Alonso-esque perennial underdog without the negative drawbacks that come with it, basically. Um... He's a great driver. He's still a great driver, and there is no reason why he can't contend if he can find the way to stay consistent over an entire season, which just hasn't happened for Seb Bourdais in the last three or four years when he's had the ability and the potential to do it, which has been the most frustrating thing about watching Bourdais in his renaissance years. Other side of the garage, Santino Ferrucci. Now, I think RJ hit the nail on the head in his preview in that 
he's going to get the guinea pig pinata treatment here because other other arguably better guys missed out on his oppor- on opportunities that he has gotten. He burned his bridge of many a fan, um, whether you like it or not, given what happened in Formula 2 in Silverstone and you know the lack of payments. There's been a lot of talk about Ferrucci in the last 12 months. Um, this is his chance to at least set some record straight about his own ability because there's been doubts about that too in the past. From what I saw of him in Formula 2, he, w- he had flashes of speed... Um, but not a lot of consistency. I think I remember in his first Formula 2 weekend, he actually finished in the points after just being called up from what was then GP3. Yep. There, and, and, and it was the same thing in IndyCar as well. That Detroit weekend, he he was pretty quick and then binned it. Yeah, he, he has a lot of raw, unrefined ability, but this season for him, as much as I don't like him, it's going to be... Uh, put up or shut up for Santino Ferrucci where it's like he's going to have to prove he's he's worth a full-time seat. Yeah, like he, he needs to prove his worth and now because he, like fairly or unfairly he's going to get whacked if, if he doesn't perform this time around because I think, dare I say it, I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for him to fail for better or worse and uh, yeah, like this is his golden chance to at least wipe some of that slate clean. Um, he's got a very challenging teammate, and he's got a challenging, you know, young class of drivers around him, of the likes of R.C. Anderson, the likes of Colton you know, Herta, two more um, drivers. Colton we'll Herta. About later on. Yeah, Matt Leister's still in there as well. We've not even got through the, the full set of young drivers yet. It's, it's a very competitive young bracket in IndyCar at the moment, so he's going to have to really perform well to, you know, to, to, you know, to outshine a lot of those guys in there. But, hey, prove me wrong, Santino. Prove me wrong. Um, just as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting team to keep an eye on this year because, I mean, you've got one guy who could be at the top, the sharp end of the field, Another one that's probably going to be fighting for his job, depending on how this funding goes. That's going to be very intriguing. RLL, Rahal Letterman Lanigan Racing. In the number 15 car, your favourite son, he grabs the lead, it's Graham Rahal. And his teammate in the number 30 car, yes now, Takuma Sato, of course, fan favourite. And the long staple mascot of this podcast. We love Takuma Sato around here. No longer the one-car overachievers of 2015 and 16, dragging Honda's slumping program further into championship contention than they arguably had any right to be. And even still, Rahal, Lem and Lanigan Racing are a perennial winning team and a dependable upper midfield presence in the IndyCar series. The surprise of the season was that Graham Rahal could not convert one of his 12 top 10 finishes into a victory in 2018. Graham is notoriously combative as an ambassador to IndyCar, Never one to shy away from controversy. He's approaching his 13th season in the sport, the second-generation phenom who seemingly slumped his way into oblivion by his mid-twenties before a sudden resurgence that began in 2015. For all of this, Rahal's just now turned 30 and can easily bounce back in 2019. The other surprise of the season? The late career resurgence of Takuma Sato, who stunned the world in Portland with a win from 20th on the grid. Sato showed he wasn't just there to play rear gunner for Rahal or coast into the twilight of his career. And at an age where most drivers diminish, Sato is seemingly getting better, and arguably the most complete as a driver that he has ever been. Can this improbable resurgence continue even further at age 42? Alright, everybody. 
Um. <laughs> so I think um, I think Cam in the Discord will agree that uh, the number thirty car, the uh, the Panasonic MyJack Special Takuma Sato, looks nice, so nice, very nice indeed. This is an, this is another interesting team. Graham Rahal has been a perennial top contender now for again I'd say three or four years. I mean, he very nearly won that title in twenty fifteen competing against the likes of Dixon and Monty um, before that disaster at uh, Pocono that kind of wrecked his season, really. With, I think, I, let's just say, I, I don't think Tristan Vortier is getting Christmas hampers. Um, let's put it that way. But I'm not sure where this team's going to stand this this season because, like I said, Rahal was consistent but didn't have the big, big results we've known Graham to have in years past since this, you know, this newfound resurgence he's had for the last couple of years. I mean, what do you make of it, RJ? I know, um, I know from my own opinion, I've, I mean, I've seen, uh, I've seen Ray Hall race a couple times live. I mean, you know, in 2014, 2013, when he first came to Ray Hall Letterman Landing Racing, he looked like he was done. He looked like there was no saving it. And then in 2015, all of a sudden, just flips the switch, just like that. And he's still consistent. Mm. I mean, again, he's still just 30 years old, just now entering his 13th season. Consider the career that he's already had. I mean, he, he's still, at, good health willing, he still has another 10 years ahead of him where he can still be a driver yeah, at this easy. level. And Takuma Sato, he's, he's more consistent now. This is the best that Sato has ever been. It's consistent by Takuma Sato's standards. Ray Hall is still the more consistent point scorer last year. I mean, Chris, mm. Chris, um... What's your scope on Ray Letterman Lanigan Racing? I honestly, it's a bit of a wild card. You look at, <clears throat> you look at the fact that Sato, you know, got the win at Portland last year. It was a great bright spot for the team, but you know, Graham has been the focal point of the team, but yet didn't get a win last year. In fact, it was I think his first winless season since 2014, if I remember right. Um, right. Mm. It. It's really weird because you have such high expectations for the team given how well they did in the championship, but yet just to fall so flat like this, it's almost like the reverse of Ed Carpenter racing where they were, you know, Ed Carpenter, you know, were nowhere, nowhere, and then all of a sudden with Piggott, they're doing pretty well. You know, with Ray Hall, it's like they were so high, so high, so high, and then it took a little bit of a, a turn, but it's, but still, you when you win with Sato at Portland, you're, you're doing a great job, and from when he was 20th on the grid, it showed that hey, you know, the old guy can still wheel the hell out of a car. Um, the other thing mm. we have to look at here is that they're going to be running a third car at the 500 again this year. But this time, you're going to have Jordan King helping the team out, and I'm oh, looking, yes. I'm really looking forward to that because when I spoke to Jordan at his first test at Indianapolis on the road course, he de- he said I desperately want to do ovals, and I'm looking forward to seeing how well he can do to help bolster the RLL, the RLLR lineup. One thing they did lose is the Scuderia Corsa partnership that they had with Oriel Serbia. That Scuderia Corsa part went to Ed Carpenter Racing, as we talked about earlier. But I'm looking forward to seeing how they do this year. Um, Sato is fit as ever. Graham is coming off of a winless season. He's going to be looking really, really hard to change that up. Could have won at St. Pete was really close there at the end but we'll see yeah there's a lot to get like on paper this team could be really really good like we know it Rahal is good enough to contend for a championship which for the team he's driving in 
is very impressive. Takuma Sato can still win races at the very highest level, as we've proven last year. It's a rare case of a team that isn't in the big three where both of their drivers, on their day, can win Grand Prix. And not many teams can boast that, in my opinion. So, again, the upside is certainly there. Like I said, Rail's entering his prime. Sato seems to be getting better year on year as he becomes a more consistent, well-rounded driver. I think there's a lot to like here. I mean, King, I'll finish up with you on this one. What do you make of RL here? Uh, it's not going to peg them as championship contenders, but certainly it's in the cards for them to get multiple wins this year. Are you just I saying think... that because your cousin's driving for them? No. <laughs> and, and, just, <laughs> and just for the record, Jordan and Ryan King, no relation. I, I, I love that you just talked about your name there in the third person. I think that's, I think that's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> the Ryan King, folks, uh, is not related to Jordan, unfortunately. Um, we, we have the better cousin. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think multiple wins is certainly a, a realistic expectation. I wouldn't put it past him, for sure. Um, the, the last major midfield team in here, and this is going to be an interesting one, Arrow, Schmidt, Peterson, Motorsports. Notice the Arrow is now a title sponsor for the team this year. The Arrow have actually increased their backing year to year. And we're not biased here at all, but we love SPM. So yay, go them. Um, we're not biased at all. We're totally impartial on this show. Um, uh, <laughs> just saying. As I mentioned, James Hinchcliffe, as usual, in the number five car again alongside the number seven car this year of Marcus Ericsson, who makes his IndyCar season debut. The Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports aspires to take the fight to IndyCar's big three teams. They experienced the ultimates in triumph and tragedy in 2018. James Hinchcliffe won in Iowa, yet missed the Indy 500 in the, in the biggest time trial stunner in a quarter century. Robert Wickens was the consensus rookie of the year in 2018 from his debut pole in St. Petersburg, Florida to his second runner-up finish of the year in Mid-Ohio and all the close calls of victory in between. This was the near real-life tragedy when his horrible crash at Pocono altered his life and has put his racing career indefinitely on pause. When he is able to, his number six car is still left vacant for him. For now, SPM moves on into 2019. Arrow Electronics furthers their partnership as the title sponsor of SPM and their revised two-car fleet. The mayor is still the head man at Arrow SPM. Nearing his ninth season, he wishes to put the 2018 season behind him and make a serious push for his first IndyCar title. A man who has already faced his own life-or-death moment as a driver and an incredibly positive ambassador for the sport. James Hinchcliffe knows that this is his time to make the breakthrough he's sought after for several years and become an IndyCar champion. Marcus Ericsson seemed at first a pedestrian choice to effectively take the place of Wickens in the new car number 7, but he already has impressed in testing and acclimated to America's far more relaxed paddock culture. Look at him not as the also around through most of his five F1 seasons, but a driver who is eager for a fresh start with a capable team that could justify his abilities as a driver, and potentially with victories to match his early career mentor, Kenny Brack. Now, I feel like this is going to be a bit of a repeat from last year, because, like, there was a lot. There was probably more hype for SPM going into 2018 than any other of the midfield teams going in. They brought in Lena Guard. There was a lot of hype there. You know, Hinchcliffe and Wickens. Again, Wickens was touted as high potential. Wickens was 
absolutely white hot out of the box straight away. Um, all the buzz was in that SPM camp. At one point, they had both their drivers in the top five of the championship. It just didn't materialise for them. Hinchliffe gets bumped on on gets bumped during 500 qualifying. We all know what happened with Robert, unfortunately. And I was reading this on the IndyCar website this morning and just talking about how James considered last year a complete disaster of a season. Um, now, I don't think it was quite that bad on paper, but you could tell he was gutted to not race the 500. You could tell he was devastated. And the impact it had in IndyCar in general, just seeing the the positive, you know, ambassador-like role that Hinchcliffe took getting bumped. And, I mean... RJ, is this the year that he puts it all together? Because I've, we all know Hinch is a quality driver who on this day absolutely can yeah, and win. I mean, if you look at his stat sheet, if you just ignore the big square in his Wikipedia says where it says Indy DNQ, he had a win in nine top ten finishes and he finished 10th in the championship. That's a disaster of year a lot of drivers would like to have. But when you miss the Indianapolis 500 and it's not due to injury... Because it's because you don't have a chance to bump your way back into the field after being too slow to get into it in the first place, then I could see where it's a disaster. And Hinchcliffe is still in his prime as a driver. Schmidt, Peterson, Motorsport are already making a big push towards. Uh, they want to be at the level of a Ganassi. They want to be at the level of an Andretti. They want to be at the level of a Penske. The investments they put in the last year again, they don't have Lena Gate anymore, but they still have a lot of other engineering help that they brought in from other organizations, and that's still going to be important. And this really is maybe James Hinchcliffe's best opportunity since 2013 when he had three wins at St. Pete, Sao Paulo, and Iowa that he could be a championship contender if he strings it all together and, you know, makes the Indianapolis 500, which I think he will. He should do, for sure. Um, King, what do you make of Marcus Erickson on the way in? I would say when you look at Marcus Erickson, forget about Formula 1. Literally wipe everything you know yeah. about Marcus Erickson out of your mind because I agree because Formula One is highly skewed because of how vastly different the cars are in terms of performance and uh, his teammate in his last season was Charles Leclerc <laughs> so uh, he he had the stiffest of competition in F1 uh, we, we all kind of forget that if you if you're able to start a Formula One Grand Prix, you're you're in the one percent of one percent of formal uh, of professional racing drivers in the world. In that context, yeah. I it's hard to pick a another driver that you would another driver who was unsigned over the off season that would be a better fit than Marcus Erickson. I agree, and when you consider how much fun he's having since making his way over to the states, it's. It's like he was a product of the road to Indy all along. It's like the, the it's like he didn't come up through the GP2 series and before that win the All Japan Formula 3 championship and before that become Formula BMW UK champion. What I'm coming what I'm getting at is the point is that Marcus Ericsson is is a pretty good driver. Was he the best in Formula 1 had to offer? Maybe not. But again, it's a new opportunity. It's it's with a team that is actually capable of winning races on a consistent basis. Can I just say just how alarming it is that how good F1 is at sucking the personality out of people? <laughs> like, I've I've seen more charisma and personality for out of Marcus Ericsson in, like, the four videos he's done for SPM than the five years he was in Formula 1 with Caterham and Sauber. 
dear god, F1 is like a cesspool where like personality goes to die. Like seriously, it is alarming. Um, we've already seen the best side of him from I think from a character point of view at SPM. Um, and, if, well, having a teammate like James Hinchcliffe certainly helps. I mean, jeez. We all know we all know he is the real people's champion of IndyCar. You can make the case that uh, everybody loves him um, in that sense. And, yeah, like, I, 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 I really hope it's the year that SPM puts it all together. Chris, what do you make of their chances going in before we move on to I the like quick? I like Marcus Erickson's attitude when he came over here. It's like, you know, yeah, I finally have a shot at winning races now because in Formula 1 it's such a great disparity between teams. I like the uh, I like mm. the fact that he has James Hinchcliffe as a teammate. Um, <clears throat> Hinchcliffe, with his experience, will definitely help out um, Erickson coming up through the season. I also like the fact that they kept the six reserved for Robert Wickens. And I think we should also give a shout-out to Robert Wickens here with the recovery that he's done since his incident at Pocono. Absolutely. He's been very open about his struggles trying to gain more mobility in his legs. Um, and every single video on Instagram or Twitter that either he or his fiancée, Carly Woods, posts, it's something that we love seeing. Um, I was at Pocono for his incident. It was definitely one of the worst uh, weekends I've felt at a racetrack because there wasn't that much oh, you know, God, information yeah. coming out. I'm just glad that he's doing very, very well now. And uh, I'm going to make a bold, bold, bold prediction um, before we get out of SPM. Um, given how well Robert Wickens has recovered, I think we can see him doing some simulator stuff before the end of the year. Maybe not full-blown testing a car, but I can see him doing simulator work before the end of the year. And by the way, Hinch is going to win another race. Interesting predictions there. I think I agree that Hinch will probably win a race. I'm not convinced about Wickens getting back in a sim that quick, but hey, I would love to see it happen. Like that, uh, that would certainly be one to be optimistic about. But uh, yeah, hopefully the people's champs of the midfield will again will finally really put it all together this can year. You, can you imagine, Andre? If I may, can you imagine what would happen though if Wickens's recovery goes? quicker than expected. Well, let's, let's face it. I don't think any of us expected him to be walking at this point, you know, at this point, because I think he did show a video of him walking unassisted. Can you imagine what would happen if he actually got back into a car for 2020 or late 2020? I think it would be awesome. I'm not putting, yeah. I'm, not, be incredible. I'm not putting like huge stock on it. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but if, if at the very least Robert Wickens can come back to having somewhat of a, someone have a normal life again, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm not setting the bar high. I don't want to put pressure on myself to think yeah, he's going to get back in a race yeah. car. Like, it's a walk. It, like To quote the pun, it's a walking miracle he's made it this far, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, like Just based off of other sports injuries I've seen just last year, yeah, it's a miracle that he's gotten this far. Yeah. The fact that there's even a chance he could get back in a race car is a miracle, given how that accident played out. Um, I don't want to lose sight of that by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it would be massive for the series if he was able to find his way back into a car again. Fingers crossed one day that might actually happen.
So, before we get into the big three, um, I'll have a quick interlude real quick. Um, I'll let Chris take the reins on this bit, but uh, talk to us a little bit about the road to Indy going forward in 2019. Right. you want to go bottom to top or top to bottom? I think we'll start in USF 2000. Uh, this is the bottom ladder. They'll be at St. Petersburg. We mentioned Warder Barrichello is going to be there. Bruno Tomaselli is going to be there. Uh, they have a new Mazda scholarship driver in Hunter McElray. Um, I like. I, I love looking forward to USF 2000 every single year because there are a lot of new names that we're going to see in the championship this year. Uh, if, you, if you look at Cape Motorsports, they've won the title the last eight years. They have a 14-year-old driver named Reese Gold. Um, he won. Yeah, I know. What a name! He won the. Uh, I think he won the Lucas Oil uh, Formula Car Championship last year. Uh, if I remember reading the res- the release right. Um, Jay Howard's team has three cars, including uh, someone that you might be familiar with, Andre, um, Matt Round Garrido. Yes, he mm. will be driving for the team uh, this year. Um, Kate Motorsports also has Darren Keane driving for them. He uh, drove for Newman Walks Racing last year and has consistently impressed in testing. Um, Legacy Autosport, I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do with Alexander Barron driving for them. He did pretty well at the Chris Griffiths test last year, and I expect good things out of him. Newman Walks Racing is back with two cars. Uh, you mentioned Hunter McElroy earlier, RJ. He's with Pabst Racing Services. They were winless for the first time since 2013. I'm looking forward to seeing how that team does this year because they're going to be looking really, really hard to try and get a win this year after Kyle Kirkwood took everybody to the Kirkwood shed last year. We'll mention him in a bit. Um, and also, I'm just looking, yeah, that's, uh, we mentioned Eduardo Barrichello. He drives for Miller Vinatieri Motorsports. Uh, that is Vinatieri as an Adam Vinatieri, uh, the Patriots and Colts kicking legend. Oh, wow. Well, I did not know that to be Partnering with the racing dentist. Who would have ever guessed? Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Mazda, Hello Indy Pro 2000. Yeah, um, I'm still getting used to that name. Um, it was Star Mazda, then it was Pro Mazda, and then when Mazda dropped their um, um, backing, it became Indy Pro 2000. I've actually caught myself hitting back, typing it, and then saying, oh wait, backspace, 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 let's make it Indy Pro 2000 like it should be. Indy Pro 2000, it's going to be an interesting transition year because you're going away from having everybody saying Pro Mazda, Pro Mazda, and now you have you know, new teams coming in, old teams going out. Cape Motorsports, they never won a promo an Indy Pro 2000 championship. See, I almost did it there again. Actually, I did do it. Um, <laughs> they left the championship. They sold their cars to Able Motorsports. And we have some car drivers returning to the championship again this year. Uh, Parker Thompson tested at Homestead Miami Speedway. He might be back this year. We don't know. They still have... Uh, Yet to announce their, he has yet to announce his plans. Stingray Rob, the greatest name in the road to Indy. He's with Ricardo Yunkos' team. Yes. (laughs) I know, right? Uh, You have Antonio Saravale back in the road to Indy again this year. Nikita Stoshkin struggling for exclusive autosport. But let's be honest here. There's only one driver that we're looking forward to seeing this year because of how well he did in USF 2000, and that's Kyle Kirkwood. I was having a chat yesterday with Joey Barnes, the editor and chief and founder of Motorsports Tribune, and we both asked him the same this question that I'm going to ask y'all: How many races does Kyle Kirkwood win? He said eight. I said ten. What do y'all think? 
Um, now, there are 16 races on the schedule. They'll drive a little bit more than USF 2000. Um, Free squad. It's going to be tough because if Parker Thompson does have a full season deal, I could see him being a serious contender in terms of his experience. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a walk like this year, but if he's if he's as good as advertised in USF 2000 and at F3 Americas, um, he's going to he's going to come close to double digits. I think three squared. I say nine. I think that's about I right. Think, well, uh, you also have to look at that team he's running with, RP Motorsport. Uh, they won last year with Harrison Scott before uh, Harrison Scott did his best impression of Top Gun. So. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we, we ain't forgotten that one anytime soon. Did you say uh, Kirk was going to win? I'm, I'm going to go six. I'm going to be the conservative pick. <laughs> How Boo! Boo this man! I love Kirkwood, but... Uh, Disgusting. I just want to bring up one little statistic here. If I may. If Kyle Kirkwood, let's just assume for the sake of argument, he has a repeat of USA 2000. If he wins 12 races this year, he will tie Spencer Piggott for having the most wins across the road to Indy. Good. <laughs> and he won't even beat Indy Lights yet. I know, right? Jesus. One That's other, ridiculous. One, well, real quick, if I may, one other driver we should definitely look at is Rasmus Lind with Unicus Racing. Uh, he was very, very good last year in USA 2000. If he can somehow dethrone Kyle Kirkwood for a few races, I expect Rasmus to actually win a couple of races. He is a good shoe. Um, yes. Indy Lights, at the top. Uh, there's some experience. There's some new names. There's some experience that's been here before, prom been promoted up, and is now coming back to try and step back up again. Alright, so uh, let's just start with Andretti Autosport because they have the most cars. Um, so they have two new drivers. As you do. They have two new drivers from Indy Pro 2000, and they have one returning driver. The returning driver is Ryan Norman, the winner at Gateway. Um, in his third season in Indy Lights, we're going to be looking to see if he can impress. The two new drivers, we have one champion and one race winner. Uh, the race winner is Robert McGinnis. He won the opening race in USF 2000 in 2017. Didn't have a podium finish the rest of that year, but is looking to impress after racing against Renus VK in New York Racing last year. After Robert McGinnis, we have one Oliver Askew. Askew won the uh, USF 2000 title in 2017. He was he won the second to last Indy Pro 2000 race last year with Kate Motorsport and had really just an awful year by his own standards. Uh, he's going to be driving the number 28 car for Andretti Autosport in, a, in the first time he's driving in the road to Indy without the sole red Mazda scholarship livery on his car. Uh, Askew's from Jupiter, Florida, the same hometown as Kyle Kirkwood. Maybe we should look at Jupiter, Florida for more road to Indy racers. Um, Oliver, by the way, we should also note, was the first winner of the, of the Mazda Speed Scholarship to get to USF 2000. I expect him to do great things in Indy Lights. Uh, if he can win three races this year, it'll be a good year for him. Although I'm thinking he could win as many as five or six. Ooh, baby. I don't know. There's, Ooh, that's, that's bold. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a bold take. Uh, I'm certainly like Ryan Norris' experience. Uh, we might know one of the names at Bellardi Auto Racing. He's a fan favorite. Um, he has plenty of good shoes. He is. <laughs> Zachary. Uh -oh. Clackery. Dumb Mackery. Da -da. Zach Clack the Mac is back. So fun fact about uh, Blardy Auto Racing: they are going to be running. They're running 
at the uh, Road to Indy test at Homestead Miami Speedway, they actually have um, Julian, help me out on the pronunciation of this name, Falciero, I think it is. Julian Falciero. Okay, perfect. Um, Lucas Cole from USA 2000 is back up, is moving to Indy Lights, skipping Indy Pro 2000. Um, but what's interesting about claiming DeMello is that they actually have dropped DeMello from his entry on the uh, entry list. It's listed as simply oh. Zachary Clayman. I might ask him about that at uh, St. Petersburg. But Bellardi Auto Racing, they've won the Indy Lights Championship before with Gabby Chavez in 2014. They're looking to get back on track after running with Santi Arrudia the last couple of years and being underneath a massive microscope from South America. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how well they do this year. Um, hopefully with three cars, they'll have a much greater shot of winning. But, I mean, let's face it, with Indy Lights, it can be a crap toot, especially if the weather turns sour. Um, I think we should move on down to BN Racing because they're going to be the only team across all three levels of the road to Indy and they're running with uh, one David Malukas. RJ, you want to shed some more light on this? David Malukas, um, he was fourth in, in the artist formerly known as Pro Mazda Championship, swept the Road America weekend, won the season finale at Portland. Goodness, he's driven in German F4 before? Yes. He also, by the way, almost won in the second race weekend in USF 2000. He was kind of a breakout star for me in 2017 and really gave... Um, gave the field the business, so to speak, in the last half of the year. He's 17 years old as of today. <laughs> I would really still talking That's about crazy. age. Ay, ay, ay. When I was 17, oh, never mind. Anyway, um, Malukas, he, he could have won his, <laughs> in his second race weekend in USA 2000 in 2017, but unfortunately um, he spun at the last uh, corner of the last lap of the second race at Road America that year. Um, Malukas is very very studious he actually does a lot of homeschooling and he laments the fact that but the fact that he's under 18 he can't be at the shop too late to help the team prepare the cars to go race um, he's very committed to his craft he also is very fan friendly after he was out of the race at mid-ohio after i think his electronics packed it in he actually went to the uh, fans nearby and actually started to sign some autographs he's got a good head on the shoulders and i expect great things out of malukas Nice, nice, nice. The one, the one team that still shows up as TBA is Carlin. They were gonna, they were expected to sign Don Kellett, but he left for Ricardo Unigos's operation. Um, they may still have a part-time deal going on for 2019, but still, we still don't have him on the entry list yet for St. Petersburg. But then again, that entry list still hasn't come out yet. Yeah, as of March 4th, we don't have an entry list. And speaking of Yunko's Racing, we don't know what they're going to do in IndyCar, but if their Indy Lights team is any indicator, whoa boy, this might be my favorite team. Dalton Kellett <laughs> brings the experience. Renus VK brings hot... He's coming up on fire, is he not? Well, yeah. let's see. Mm. When you win Pro Mazda, the um, I said it again. The artist formerly known as Pro Mazda, now Indy Pro 2000. When you win Indy Pro 2000 the way he did, and when you win the, um, what is it, the F3 Asian Winter Series, I think it's called? Yes. Oh, I actually got that right. Sweet. Um, the way that he did, um, let's face it, you're, you're, on a, you're on a major high when you're heading into St. Petersburg. Um, Dalton Kellett has, what was it, three years of Indy Lights experience with Andretti Auto Sport to, look, to base himself off of. 
He's done very well on the ovals, but his road and street course results have not been up to where he would expect them to be. He's almost like a Canadian Ed Carpenter, you could say. Mm-hmm. He's finished third at the Freedom 100 the last three years, and he, his first podium in the Road to Indy, I think, was at um, Iowa in 2015 in Indy Pro 2000. See? Said it right that time. That's not one for the swear jar. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how Dalton does this year. A change of team may help him out with his driver development a little bit more. Uh, he is, an, I believe, an engineering student as well, so he can help his team set the cars up pretty well. Uh, what do y'all think? I think I think I agree. I think if Dalton Callett were not a racing driver, I think it would make an excellent uh, race engineer. And Renus VK, I mean, when you're when you're decisively beating uh, a touted future F1 prospect in the F3 Asia Winter Series, uh, that that definitely does make you stand at attention and notice. Um, I, I honestly, when you're hot, you're hot. And when you're hot, you're probably my pick to win any lights this year in his rookie season. Whoa. Whoa, okay. You sure about this, buddy? Um, I'm I'm confident about it. You know, you know what that means? It's still going to happen now, because if RJ is confident <laughs> about it, then there's no hope for us all. <laughs> Who do y'all think is going to win the Indites title? Oh, God. I think I'd have... Yeah, I th- think you would have to go with RJ, despite, <laughs> despite what Trey said. Annoyingly, yeah. Actually giving it some thought. I one thing we we should also look at uh, mention here. So I'm looking at the entry list for the um, the test that they had at Homestead this past couple of days, and there's one driver that we did not mention, um, one Toby Sowery, um, driven in a couple of GT cha- races, a few GT championships over the last couple of years. Actually, was second at both of the Indy Pro 2000, said it right that time, races at Road America behind David Malukas. Um, He's had a lot of fun when he was racing in America the last few seasons. He drove a couple of USA 2000 races in 17 for uh, Team Benick, the massive karting empire that they are. Um, if he can get a ride together, there's a partnership possibly brewing with BN Racing and Team Pelfrey. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, um, if he can actually get some funding together. But I'm going to go ahead and do what I did last year. I'm going to break with everybody else. Although I do agree that VK is a clear title contender, I'll just go in and throw my eggs into the Oliver Askew basket. Okay. So we're not going with the experience of DeMello. We're not going with the experience of Norman or Kellett. Yeah, I'd probably, if I had to say, you know, give a top three for the standings, it'd probably be uh, VK. Uh, yeah, I'd probably put VK, DeMello, then Kellett. Interesting. Sounds about right. Anything else in the uh, Road to Indy, y'all? Um, the Freedom 100 is going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Should we get into the big three feathers? Get into the big three, and first up, wait, why does it have Team Penske this far down? Um, well, what had <laughs> happened was, <laughs> well, it's, it's a long story, Dre, but yeah, here's Team Penske, Joseph Newgarden in the number two car, Will Power in the 12 car, and Simon Pagano in the 22 car. 
have two of the three series champ. Actually, all of them have won a series championship, actually. Um, yeah, Team Penske did pretty good in motor racing in 2018. <laughs> Joey Logano won him the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. Scott McLaughlin won him the Aussie Supercars Championship. They won their first race in the premier class of IMSA. The Penske team season two was a social media favourite. The heart of Penske's success is in their IndyCar program. Will Power won Team Penske's record 17th Indianapolis 500 and his first as a driver in 2018. Penske's drivers combined for six wins and eight pole positions in 2018 but fell short of the series championship. Will's Power, Penske's senior driver, is as complete a driver as Scott Dixon is now in his skill set on road courses and ovals and in his total accomplishments. He has more pole positions than any human not named Mario Andretti. He's ninth on the all-time wins list. His 2018 Indy 500 win legitimizes his place amongst the legends. If he drives as well as he did last year, he will once again be a championship player. Three victories and four pole positions are the sorts of slumps that most drivers would love to have to fight through. Joseph Newgarden was unsuccessful in defending the one in 2018, but he looks towards 2019 knowing that he needs to just keep doing what he's doing since winning the 2017 title in his debut year with Penske and a second title and a first 500 win may soon follow. But the real question will be whether Simon Pagano can sustain the good run of finishes to end a very frustrating 2018 season and parlay that into a 2019 season where he gets back into victory lane. The last time Pagano struggled at Penske with a brand new crew in 2015, he responded with a series championship in 16 and a runner-up finish in 17. When he is on form, Pagano might be the best of Penske's all-star trio of drivers. Can he lead the way for Penske once again? I mean, we all know it. They're, they probably are the number one team in the paddock for just sheer driving talent top to bottom. All three of them will can and probably will win multiple races, multiple pole positions, will be a contender for everything on paper. Um, <laughs> is it going to happen this year, guys? Is is Penske going to find a way back to the top? Is 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 is, uh, is one of their guys screaming out to you as, as, as the title threat? The fact that you have three drivers as talented as these three are in that champion, in that team, it's, po- it's damn near impossible to pick just one. Granted, Pagano had probably his worst season since joining Team Penske. The fact that he didn't have a race win, um, let's face it, any season where you don't have a race win with Roger Penske is automatically your worst season. But you have three very strong drivers yeah. there. It's impossible to separate one from the other, except the fact that Will Power actually won the Indy 500. Um, Joseph Newgarden had probably one of the best drives of the year last year at Iowa, but fell short near the end. Um, he also had probably one of the best drives last, two of the best drives last year at. Um, Barbara Motorsports Park through the rain and at Road America at Elkhart Lake when he blitzed the field from, mm. uh, from I think he started on pole that year or that day or maybe he started second, but either way um, when you have three drivers as talented as these guys are it's impossible for me to pick just one just to stand out from the others I'm in the same boat I mean, I could go with the homer pick and say Joseph Newgarden, but then I also have to remember, oh yeah, Will Power is probably driving the best he's ever driven. He is no longer oval deficient. He might be the actual oval master of the series over the last few years. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think it's something like he's won nearly 33% of all the ovals in the last three years or so. It's something ridiculous like that. Power is now become... Yeah, he won Gateway. Like and the, of course he won the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. He was second at Pocono. Yeah, he's become arguably the best oval driver in the field And he now. would have been in contention That's to win scary at Phoenix fall. until he wrecked. Yeah, he was right up there in that one too. So yeah, it's it's actually terrifying how... Complete the fact that he won the Indy 500 this past year, I think, took a massive weight mental barrier off of his shoulders, or mental, you know, weight off his shoulders, because, you know, with how bad people, mm. you know, we, let's face it, he was. It's people. It's not that he people was like, oh, he was just bad at ovals. No, he really was bad at ovals, until he, you know, took some time to actually figure this out, figure it all out. Um, you know, we look at Texas in 2011. He won mostly because he drew very high up. He had the win at Milwaukee a few years later that where he just blitzed everybody. And he's frankly become probably one of the best oval racers, you know, much to the chagrin of everybody else, but much to the, you know, much to Roger Penske's benefit, much to our benefit, and Zoe Hamilton as well. Love you, Zoe. <laughs> Very true indeed. I mean, there's not much to really say that hasn't already been said about this team. I mean, again, I think... Could this be a make-or-break year for Simon Pagano? Because we've been here before with Simon, and his first year at Penske wasn't great. He turned it around and won a championship. He was you know, runner-up in 17. No one's complaining there. I mean, New Garden won the title, so Penske was 1-2. and two. Again, last year, didn't have a victory again. Was a little bit unlucky in times, yeah. but no, he not did, he Pagano's usual strong self. He didn't have a top 10 finish until he placed second at Texas. He had 10 top 10 finishes to end the season and all of his top five finishes. But that's simply not going to cut it over the long term. But I know the driver of Simon Pagano's caliber. I think he'll be much better than this. I think he'll get back to winning races, at least in theory. I, I think that's the kind of the issue of being the bottom of the Team Penske drivers. You're always going to be seen as being on the bubble. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, Will Power has done everything for Penske in the last decade. Joseph Newgon is the future of that team going forward, given Joseph is still only 26, I think. So, like, you automatically are probably circling Pagano as the vulnerable one here. And this is a crazy for a guy that won a series title. <laughs> it was runner-up just like just like two years ago, um, where he was looking like he could be the king of IndyCar going forward. And, hey... Fantasy draft pick, King's number one pick. <laughs> Viva la France. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, we've got to talk a little bit about New Garden as well. I mean, New Garden, again, had a bit of a slump off the road, America, after looking like he could be the premier title threat again. Just didn't happen in the second half of the year. Is there any cause for concern there? I'm, I'm not too terribly worried. He's still hitting Me the prime either. of his career. He just turned 28 years old. Um, mm. And as I wrote, if he just keeps driving as he's been driving, he had as many wins as Scott Ditson. Uh, everything just kind of didn't come into place after he won Poland Toronto, but could only finish ninth. And that's, uh, you know, if he, if he keeps driving as he's doing, he will win a second championship. I'm not saying it's going to be this year, but I'm saying it might, uh, you know, he will be a player. Every one of these drivers will be a player. And that's the Penske backbone going forward. Next! Um, right, we got a lot we, of team to got, cut through here. Because it's Andretti on yep, the sport, no. motherfuckers. Wait, 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 wait. One thing I we, we need to bring up before we go to Andretti Autosport. I'm sorry I didn't bring this up a little bit sooner. 
they're going to four cars at the Indianapolis 500, and I think it's worth noting that if Elio wins his fourth 500, how, what do you think it's going to say to the rest of the crew? Like, hey, I'm away for the rest of the year, and I just whipped all y'all's butts. Y'all got beat by a sports car driver. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Next thing you know, Jordan Taylor will be making his IndyCar debut in 2020. Well, <laughs> well, that Jordan or Ricky, either one. Although Ricky actually drives for Penske in the uh, sports car championship, I am here for either of the Taylors running for Team Penske in any of the races. They would be fun to watch. Or president for that yeah. matter. But yeah, um, Elio's doing the Indy 500 again this year. He's got the Pennzoil special. And uh, Dre. Oh, yes. You know what he has? Mm-hmm. Even going into his mid forties. Magnificent hair. <sighs> now we can get. Andretti Autosport, everybody. Go. Yep, four car, four car team going forward. Um, at least four full timers, anyway. Zach Veach at the beach representing number twenty six. Alex Rossi in the twenty seven. Um, championship runner up from last year. Ryan Hunter Ray in the twenty eight, and Marco Andretti in the ninety eight. Um, it's incredible to believe how fast time passes. 2012 doesn't seem so long ago. This is the year that Andretti Autosport won their most recent IndyCar Series championship. Since then, they've won three of the last five 500s. They nearly ended their championship drought last year and enter another season with the largest fleet of full-time teams in IndyCar and another season with aspirations of winning IndyCar's two biggest prizes. No longer the F1 castaway trying to maybe get his way back in, Alexander Rossi is firmly entrenched in IndyCar, and in 2018, he was the series' most dynamic driver. Maybe the most impressive driver of his season wasn't his pole to win victories at Long Beach or Mid-Ohio, but his charge from 32nd to 4th for Indy. He is a more ruthless competitor than anyone could have foreseen, something that might serve him well as he looks to improve that crucial one position in the championship in 2019. While no longer the alpha driver at Andretti, Ryan Hunter Ray is still the team's most recent IndyCar Series champion. Rumours of his demise into also ran status have proven a falsehood after he broke a long winless drought in Detroit and then ended the season with a quietly dominant victory at Sonoma, upstaged by the title fight between Rossi and Dixon. After the best season since his 2012 title run, Hunter Ray wants to start a late career resurgence and win another championship. Third generation driver Marco Andretti made a major commitment to his own IndyCar future when he became the part owner of his own 98 car. 2019 will mark 50 years since his grandfather Mario won the Indianapolis 500. His father Michael never did it. He came so close in his debut year. Even if it doesn't come at the storybook venue in Indy, a win for Marco this year would end a winless drought dating back to 2011. Behind all the more established drivers at Andretti, there is second-year rookie Zach Veach. Were it not for the spectacular efforts of Wickens, Veach would have been the clear-cut rookie of the year in 2018. He finished every race last year and turned in his best results in the second half of the season, and within the paddock, there's the expectation that young VZ will turn the corner, turning those top tens into podiums, and potentially into his first win in the series. So, Alex Rossi, immediate title contender out of the box this year? Yeah. Probably, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Stamp it. Next. Um, <laughs> Stamp it. Rossi might be the best driver in the series on his day. He is He's the most fun to watch. Oh, he's, a, yeah, oh, he's pure entertainment. There's no denying yeah, that and at again, this point. Contrast is, to what most of IndyCar Paddock was saying when he came in 2016. He's not that flashy. He's just an F1 guy trying to get his way back into sports with the back door. 
as it turns out, no, he's having a lot more fun here. And again, to reiterate Dre's point, it's amazing how much the F1 panic sucks the personality out of drivers. Alex Rossi is fun, even when he's wearing the black hat and when he probably shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've, as a guy that's that's become the podcast guy, I will always have a level of respect for the charismatic asshole character that is Alex Rossi. Um, that that that's that's a fun time to have for a lot of people. Um, and yeah, as mentioned, he is on his day the most exciting driver in the series. He can pass anybody. He can beat anybody. He has the pace to challenge anybody. He can win on any format. He's a 500 specialist as far as I'm concerned now, having won it before and, again, was sensational last year at the 500, nearly winning it from 32nd on the grid. Um, He is a complete weapon. He is now an elite driver in this series and he'll probably be spared in that team. And this is a team that has Ryan Hunter-Ray on it. As it turns Um, out, Ryan Hunter-Ray, still good. Still good. Confirmed. Still good. Um, Hunter Ray again had a you know had some excellent you know had some excellent uh, yeah had some yeah. excellent drives last year again you know Detroit in particular he was rampant out there um, just unbelievable raw pace just gunning down the young Rossi mm-hmm. um, at a rate of knots at the end in in, in and race I think he still fashion, had this which, even in the years where he wasn't winning races but he also had sure. bad mechanical luck and he still had some this past season yeah absolutely like hunter rate is still every bit as good as a lot of the guys around him um in this series and again on his day can win just about anywhere quite frankly um again only i'd say maybe only five or six dudes in the series I'd, I'd, I'd say are in that ballpark guys who can win anywhere has tremendous pace can qualify on pole, can win from pole, can win, can just basically just do anything you need to do in the series. Last year, I mean, Barber with the rain, they had everything going on mm. there. Detroit, he just couldn't get around Dixon there at the first race there. Road America, there was no way he was going to catch Newgarden because Newgarden was just so good. And then Portland, he just couldn't get around the side of there near the end. He's capable of running up front, absolutely. And 2018 was a was a very 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 good year for Hunter Ray. Great for his confidence as well. I think I'm going to pencil him in for a couple of race wins. But you know, I didn't get a chance to say this with Rossi, but I think Rossi's going to win the title definitely. He's my pick to win that. Ooh. Yeah, I know it's a it's a prediction. But one okay. thing I will say about Hunter Ray as well is that when he's good, he's good. But when it's bad, it is very bad. At <laughs> oh god, no, yeah. There is no not. middle like, ground in the camp of Hunter Ray. He's had only one finish between sixth and tenth all year long, and that was at Mid Ohio. It was either top five finishes, mm. that one seventh, or it was eighteenth or worse. Or no, except for Toronto, uh, he was sixteenth there. It's either very good or very bad. Very, very, very mm-hmm. not good. So King, is it Marcos here? Ooh, <laughs> if man. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> of, of all the years, this needs to be Marco's year. Yeah. Like it would, make, it would make the most sense uh, from a storytelling perspective 50 years after Mario's win, but I think yeah, it would for, be for, I think it'd be awesome if it just got back into victory lane. Iowa 2011 was so long ago. Yeah, it was so long ago, Dude. 50 years after his grandfather's win. Uh, he's now a, like, a significant shareholder in his own car. Um 
Which means he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Heard of Autosport with Marco Andretti and Kurbagajanian. Someone check me on that. He got it right. Yes, Andretti yes. heard of Autosport Catchy. with Marco Andretti and Curb Agajanian. Rolls right off the tongue. Somebody get Chris Kick on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, if, if there was any other year to, like, it doesn't even need to be the 500. If he could get just a race win anywhere... I mean, if even if it, even if you know, even if you don't think it, oh, it's definitely, it's totally Marco's here. I mean, when he's driven well, I mean, he finishes well enough at the Indianapolis 500. He has quite a few top tens. He has five top fives mm-hmm. throughout his career, and again, he's not even but thirty-one he can still years do old it. yet. He can still do it, Marco, on his day. He's still a guy that can win. He, he can challenge for wins on his day if the car is is dialed in. And Marco is on it. He, he can be in the top five comfortably. Look at He's that sort of driver. He was pulling the. I, he was. I think he was pulling the first race. He finished fourth. Then at Toronto, he was running in the top five before. Unfortunately, Brian Hurd didn't get the fueling, uh, 100% right there near the end. And he was fifth at Sonoma. He can. He produced a lot of top ten finishes, but unfortunately, um, you know, podiums eluded him for whatever rank, strange reason. In fact, he's the only driver in the top 10 that did not finish on the podium all year long. Well, yeah, should we talk a little bit about, yeah, Zach Veach before we move on to Chip Ganassi? I mean, Veach was very impressive. When his car wasn't catching fire in the pit lane, Zach Veach was very impressive um, this year. As mentioned, probably would have been the the standout rookie of the year had it not been for Wicken's incredible season. Um, So, Veach, like, you know guy that had a little bit of teething problems at the start but found his feet very quickly and you know look at him now like oh geez he's gonna be maybe thinking about podiums in his sophomore season i think so i think he's gonna take a massive step forward he is small in stature but he is certainly not small at heart i mean he is he's had to sit out years of his career to get opportunities like this um again apart Mm. from the one fourth place finish at long beach his first 11 races that was his only top five finish and then he got seventh in toronto 10th in mid ohio sits in pocono fifth in gateway and quietly finished a respectable 15th in the championship and he finished every race very very impressive run of form um again just one of the most likable young guys in the series as well Big anti-bullying advocate. Love that about Zach Veach. Um, so, yeah, like a, a lot to be excited about with Veach. Again, another guy solid on all formats as well. And just turning into a real well-rounded driver as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, another guy to be very, very excited about. And they've forward. got Connor Daly for uh, the Indianapolis 500. Famous, amazing race uh, celebrity edition contestant. That guy. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does in Indianapolis. Uh, supposedly, he said he started working on that ride last year at the month of May, and this is probably his best chance that he has of winning the 500. And being that I live in the t- I live in the town that he's from, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can write for the local newspaper as well. Because let's face it, um, Connor's the only shining spot for Noblesville right now. I can't wait to see what he does. Um, oh, and also Daly's running in Super Trofeo for the uh, Lamborghini Series too. He has a busy year this year, but let's face it, at Indianapolis, you can't go with a better team than Andretti right now, and he's got the best shot he has of winning the race. From qualifying last last year to, you know, running for the one of the best teams in the paddock, you can't go better than that, can you? No, you can't. Yeah. 
Definitely it definitely not. also helps if your car doesn't catch fire before the opening lap of the race. Oh, no. Fueled by bacon. Well, that just leaves uh, our damn. defending champions. At least our defending champion driver and his team. Chip Ganassi Racing. You know the drill in the number nine car. The, the one, the only, Scott Dixon. Advocate of pancakes and driving extremely quickly. His teammate in the number 10 car, our friend and yours, making his IndyCar season debut, the driver for hire, Felix Goddamn Rosenquest. Uh, I'm so proud of him. Chip Ganassi's Racing's ace driver, Scott Dixon, is an all-time legend of motor racing. Not just this era of IndyCar, not just in American open-wheel racing. Dixon added to his legend in 2018 by winning his fifth national championship, putting him in an elite company with seven-time champion AJ Foyt as the only other driver with five or more titles. Dixon has done it all, and almost all of it he's done with Chip Ganassi Racing. 2019 will be his 19th season in the top flight and his 18th with Chip, the longest tenured driver of any driver who's ever raced for the team. His 44 career wins are the most of any active driver. He only has one Indianapolis 500 win, something he'd like to change in 19 with his, with his second win, along with adding another star to his Hall of Fame career of his sixth series championship. There is little to add to what we already know and respect about Dixon. On the other side of the garage, a deal that's seemingly been three years in the making has finally come good as Swedish rookie Felix Rosenquist joins Ganassi in 2019. Why would there be such high stock in a driver relatively unknown to American race fans who finished 12th in his one and only Indy Lights campaign in 2016? That's because Rosenquest comes to IndyCar with one of the most diverse set of accomplishments of any rookie over the last three calendar years. That Indy Lights season saw Rosenquest win three races of the 10 that he entered. He's won three races in Formula E. He's won in Blancpain GT and the Porsche Carrera Cup. He has podiums in Super Formula and Super GT. He's raced twice at the Daytona 24 Hours, once at Le Mans and in the DTM. All of this after he conquered the world of Formula 3, winning the European title in 2015 and the Macau Grand Prix twice. He comes in, like Robert Wickens did last year, with an incredible array of experience around the world. The smart money says that Rosenquest isn't just the favourite for Rookie of the Year honours, but could surpass what Wickens did in 2018. Now, we're going to skip over Scott Dixon here. We all know about Scott Dixon, his legend, his Scott might. Scott Dixon he is will awesome. You don't need us to tell you this. And also, no. I'd just like to just, you know, put out this disclaimer. Motorsport 101 does not endorse corporate downsizing. Because I don't know how Ganassi's still able to win championships despite going to two cars. Yeah, I it's... I, I don't understand that either. Yet here we are. Um, it's bizarre, but it works. Like I said, I'm not going to waste time on Scott Dixon. I know it. You know it. He's a legend. He's probably title favorite going in. Um, he's Scott Dixon. <laughs> Need I say more? So we're talking a little bit about Felix here, fellas. I mean, what do you make of Felix's potential season going in? Because there's a lot to like about Felix here. Most talented European to come race in America full time since Nigel Whoa. Mansell. <laughs> I, you know, the thing is, Chris, I completely <clears throat> agree wholeheartedly <clears throat> with that Whoa. sentiment. Oh, he's a stud. There's no doubt about that. Like, yeah, there's as hot takey as that may sound. Um, yeah, this 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 is this this is not a hot take really because Felix is mad talented. 
He like he is a rare breed of a gentleman dr- driver in the 2019 era as just a guy who can drive anything well, and that's a rare breed of of racing driver in the modern era. We've, we've just become so specialized in how we do business here. I said it um, last year in the season preview, and I'll say it again now: the fact that he never made it to cheat to Formula Two or Formula One is a crime against motorsport. Their loss, Europe's loss, is America's gain with Felix Rosenquist. He will be Rosenquick this year. And I know I said it about Ed Jones last year, but I I will say it for the 10 car this year. Felix Rosenquist, I believe, will win a race. Just a race. Walk before you can that's run, a, because we also said that Spencer Piggott was going to win last year, but he did get a, a career yeah. best of second. I think Felix will win at least one race. If he wins more, hey, more power to him. I was I was thinking multiple podiums, but that's not outlandish a prediction. If Felix hits the ground running, there's no reason why he can't win straight he away. Could have won. Uh, he, he actually did sweep the weekend at Toronto when he won an Indy Light, brand in Indy Lights in yeah. 2016. That was his last appearance in the Indy Lights car. He won at St. Petersburg a day after he accidentally hit the uh, he hit the uh, freaking almost kill switch on his engine the day before. Yeah, there was a rainbow button. He hit the rainbow button, and he only had seventy oh. percent power for that race and finished seventh. I think if I look over the recent results here, I mean, the worst season he probably had was just like eight races in DTM, and he still had two top ten finishes, and it was part of a season. Yeah, he's he's an, he's an, he's an incredible talent. I, I, I am more curious about how Felix gets on than anyone in the field, I'd say, because... That is your real smoky gun. He's a, he has got he is an insane talent. And again, like I said, I, I still remember that he walked into Formula E and was super good right away. Like, and that is another series where talent stands out. I think more than anything else. So, yeah, I I, I had it down as multiple podiums, maybe a win. And I think I'm lowballing him compared to everybody else here. So, um, that is going to be he very exciting be the, indeed. Maybe the best challenge that Scott that. Well, he may be the best teammate that Scott Dixon's had in a long time because, I mean, granted, Canon's a good dr- since Franchitti at least. Yeah, well, I'll say he'll he'll give Dixon the biggest run for his money since Dario Franchitti, in my opinion. Let's do some quick bold predictions before we get the hell yes. out of here. Thank you so much so, for listening, by the way. We've been through a lot of show. We're going to finish this off with some bold predictions. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, we're at, nearly two, well, two, we're at nearly 200 minutes here, folks. So thank you very much for sticking around if you made it this far. What's wrong with you people? Um, but uh, Right, so. Okay, people. Rookie of the Year goes to Felix Rosenquist. Felix Rosenquist. <laughs> yeah, Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, Felix. You know, I usually like to go against the grain, but I, who else am I going to pick? I, no, I, you can't do you, it. You've broken me. I cannot you go against the grain here. You, you can't do it here. You just can't do it. There's like I, I don't think there's anyone in his league. The it has only, to be Felix Rosenquist here. The thing I will say um, is that I, what we should do is who can give Felix the biggest run for his money for Rookie of the Year, which has to be Colton Herta, I think. I'm thinking R.C. Ennison myself. Mm, in the races that he appears, uh-huh. for how many he does, um, I would go with Erickson. I think he has the best team around him. Yeah, because while I do rate Colton Herta highly, 
Uh, Very highly. The outfit itself, I don't... It would be interesting to see how Harding performs over a full season with one driver. Yeah. Whew. A lot going on there. Okay. Who wins the Indy 500? Rossi. <laughs> Flossy Rossi. Sarah Connors, be ready. Excellent. <laughs> oh, God. She's going to... Sp- if, if, if he wins another one, she's going oh, to spontaneously man. combust. For them. Um, y'all, um... I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go and say that in his ninth attempt, in 15 years, Sebastian Joseph? Bourdais. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I love Bourdais, but I can't get there, man. It, it's always I, something where it's with any of the smaller teams. I always have to wait for May to to really. Be confident in picking one of the smaller teams. Hey, God, if Board A won, can you imagine how long the post-race report would be from Craig Hampson? <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm going to go with Uncle Ed. Whoa. I think Ed Carpenter has cracked this arrow kit and at the 500, too. Um, I think, and I can't believe I'm saying this, how much I've rinsed his recent oval record, but... Given how well he was last year, like, I'm thinking Ed Carpenter. You think it's Ed's year? I think it might be Ed's year. I really do. Like, that second was very convincing last year. How about this? Who's your dark horse pick to win the Indy 500? Um, dark, dark, horse dark, pick. dark horse pick to win the Indy 500? Oh, well, I guess it's Fernando yeah, Alonso. It's be Colt- Fernando Alonso. <laughs> No, I'm I'm going Colton Herta. Zach Veach. Oh, <laughs> yeah, again, you know it's uh, something when you say, ah, yes, Fernando Alonso is the dark horse pick compared to Sebastian Bourdais, who drives out of a team based in rural Illinois in a shop that kind of just looks like it's a converted Hardee's. <laughs> huh? I'm going to pick between one of two um, young hard chargers doing a one-off here, but... You know what? I'm gonna go against all y'all. Sage Karam. Sage yes, Karam, so the homeboy. Uh, Dryan Reinbold oh. Racing with them doing the Indy 500. They're gonna have Sage Karam back um, in the number 24 with Filters Chevrolet. And I think this is gonna be the year that he's gonna take off all of motorsports Twitter and win it all this year as my dark horse pick. Um, sorry, Connor. 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 Just I wanted to pick you as a dark up. horse, but let's face it. Um, you're driving with Andretti Autosport. You have a really a much better shot of winning than Sage Karam does. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, do we have a pick for breakout competitor of the year? So, mm. so basically, most improved. Yeah, and if I'm thinking most improved driver, I've I've got to go with uh, I've got to go with Spencer Pickett on this one. But how good would Pickett have to be to be classed as an improvement? My thoughts exactly, uh, Andre. <laughs> I'm talking multiple podiums. I'm talking a top 10 championship finish. I think those are things that are easily attainable in Ed Carpenter racing equipment. We saw Joseph Newgarden do it when he was with the team. I'll, I'll say this. I think you've got the right team. I think you've got the wrong man. Ed I'm going to say Ed Jones to, uh, as, as comeback driver of the year in a sense. Because I, I know what Ed Jones is capable of, and I think he's in a good house, um, and I think he'll do very well this year. Uh, King. King. Oh, most improved. 
I think. Do I go with? I think I think it's gonna be Marco Andretti. I think it's gonna be Marco Andretti. Huh? It's Marco's year, y'all. <laughs> huh? King is on the narcotic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Have you been talking to Zoe lately? Is that it? I love you, Zoe. No, but. <laughs> okay, and lastly, well, hang on. I I was gonna say for my most improved, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the part timer from last year. I'm just I'm gonna say Ferrucci actually. Um, he showed pace when he uh, needed to, and I think, quite frankly, um, <sighs> we could see some you know good things out of him. But you know he has to just put his head down and get to get to work. That's bold. That is, is bold. A bold pick. Okay. Okay. The the biggest one of them all, or in in, in the in the eyes of Ryan King anyway. <laughs> um, national champion. Who's it gonna be? Rossi. Mm, yeah, I think mm. I think Rossi's gonna bring home his first one too. I got this wrong last year because I, I remember last year when it was because Sarah Connors was on this preview last year if I remember correctly, and I think two of us picked New Garden and two of us picked Power, and I, if I remember correctly, me and you, King, both chose Will Power. Yeah, we both chose yeah. Will Power. And uh, myself, my good friend Connors, we we went with the actual champion. And then last year, I went with Scott Ditson on a whim, and well, what do you know? Scott <laughs> Ditson won a championship. So, um, how the fuck do you call a Scott Dixon pick on a whim? <laughs> you know, just come on now. You know, knowing that my oh, I know, I'm bold, RJ. I'm gonna pick the odds-on favorite. Go you. <laughs> it's like big, big Tony Holman just just marched down from the heavens with a with a stone tablet saying Scott Dixon will win in 2019. <laughs> it's like, oh, who's gonna win the who's gonna win the skateboard in the 99X games? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna pick Tony Hawk. Well, <laughs> knowing that I've got a, got a reputation uphold, knowing that I got a perfect streak, an undefeated streak on the line. Oh man, this is gonna be tough. Um, <laughs> pick New Garden. Pick him. You know you want to. <laughs> I would definitely pick Joseph Newgarden if I was not confident that Alexander Rossi was going to win the championship this year. Mm. Oh! Two picks for Alex Rossi. Wow. Like we, are, we are all in on the Alex Rossi train. Rossi And Rossi. that leaves... <laughs> like, jeez. So I'm, I'm all right in saying we have three Rossi picks here. Jesus. And then and it all goes... Do I go against the grain here? Are we going clean sweep for Alex Rossi? No, I'm not going clean sweep for Alex Rossi. Um, oh, this is tough. Keep in mind, you have three champions at Penske. You have a five-time champion at Ganassi yeah. and a potential future champion mm-hmm. at Rosenquist. Mm. Tough, tough pick. You know what? I think Joseph Newgarden's going to bounce back and win it. Mm. I think Joseph Newgarden, I just have a hunch that he'll be able to replicate the first half of the season more where he was just ultra consistent. Maybe not winning all the time, but taking chances where he could and having maybe the odds... I think he may only need three or four wins to take the title overall. Depends on how his 500 goes, but I think we. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Joseph Newgarden. Including myself. And, 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 I and really hey, do. if he wins the title, I will have no complaints about this. <laughs> I I have an interesting uh, prediction question I want to ask. Go go for it. Who is going to be the full time IndyCar driver that will be bumped from the Indy 500 lineup? 
Oh, oh yes. Lord. Okay, so we've got 38 cars potentially up to uh, 33 make it in, of course. Um, the last row will be decided on the Sunday of uh, Fast 9 qualifying. I... I think all the I think all Jesus. the full time teams get in. You think all the full time teams get in? All right. What about what about a surprise uh, bump? Mm, if I had to put it down as a surprise, maybe Mateus Leist. Connor Daly. Oh God. I I think I I think Daly's overrated as a five hundred runner. I've always thought that to be fair. Um. I like Connor. I always have, but I just don't. I, I think he's just destined to not have a good 500. I think it's just you bad be luck. You should be thankful you just contorted when you said his name as your bump cat candidate. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Hang on, let me let me do the so, let me let me do the Soldier Boy meme here. Uh, I, Connor Daly, Daly. All right. Oh, I'm gonna say Mateus Lace as well. Lace, okay, okay. But uh, guys, please, if you've got a Sky Sports subscription, no, 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 I got, I the... got a. <laughs> oh, go on, King. Go on, King. I forgot, I forgot, I forgot you, man. Sorry about that, mate. Oh, go on. Let's see who I think is gonna get bumped. I have a, I've just this deep down gut feeling that Pippa? I don't, I don't have a specific person in mind, but my qualifier okay. is. A former winner will get bumped. <laughs> wow. So who could that be in the current field? So that's Dixon, that's well, Power. I'm thinking he's thinking Tony Kanan. Kanan? Tony Kanan, maybe? That Kanan tends to go well at the five hundred. Uh I I like again, I don't literally like I, I think that one of them will slip through the cracks and will just you know, things will just shake out the wrong way. And by the time by the time the last session ends, they'll be sitting in thirty fourth. Can you imagine the uproar if Fernando Alonso misses the five hundred? Oh no! Oh god! No 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 no! There'll be a nuclear winter in that part of America. Can can um, anyone say special qualifying session with me? Just just, just make him run his rookie test again. But uh. Guys, seriously, before we get out of here, I mean, IndyCar's on Sky Sports now. If you've got a Sky Sports subscription, give it a goddamn chance. Like, You'll seriously, I know a lot of F... Seriously, I know a lot of F1 fans get pretentious when it comes to series extremely. and, you know, F1 IndyCar comparisons. Extremely, of course. No, you're completely right, Chris. Give it a chance, and give it a fair chance. You you might just be surprised at how well it might end up being as a series. That's that's all I will say. Don't go into it with an open mind, and give it a go. I think you owe it to yourself as motorsport fans to give it a shot. Um, again, starts this weekend at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, over in Florida. Sebastian Bourdais will probably win. Spoiler. <laughs> um, but, uh, Watch as he um, fails to win. <laughs> <laughs> just just throwing that out there. Rossi might bump someone into the wall again. Who knows? But um, hope you guys enjoyed this mammoth IndyCar season preview. We're coming up to 2 hours 50 plus. Thank you very much for listening. Basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Check out Krista Hardy's channel if you get a chance as well. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter 
uh, motorsport underscore 101 our personal handles at C the hard a at RJ O'Connell at Harrison 101 HD at Ryan Eric King um, again you can back us financially on Patreon as well patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks early access to this show ten bucks access to the supports club on discord we can listen to these shows live we still have about five people listening into this and it's like you know 1am in in, like in most parts of it but jason's still in it's nearly 1am that side god bless you jason you're a better man than me um shout out to steve shout out to toki that's um shout out to black and mild and cam all listening in thanks very much for sticking through for nearly three hours you guys are the best um 15 bucks gets you a free t-shirt again massive thanks to brian for backing us at 15 dollars. that's incredibly generous of you sir thank you so much for that um we'll be back next week to review st pete and preview some other motorsport series oh just before i go as well watch MotoGP in qatar this weekend as well it's probably going to be awesome bt sport this weekend go watch it i've been andre harrison they've been ryan king rj o'connell and christopher hard hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll catch you guys next week sayonara later y'all bye see you So, quick prediction. Marquez for MotoGP title? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Same. Yeah. It's like, it's, but you know, maybe, 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 just maybe, one of the four KTM bikes can get a win. We're not doing this! <laughs> <laughs>